Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Clark. And welcome to the Wordstruck Season 1 finale. Woohoo! Woo-hoo! Yeah! High five! That was the worst <laughs> high five ever. Oh, man. That's all right. That's all right. They don't know that. <laughs> they can't see that. They can't see that. <laughs> we totally nailed that. It was awesome. <laughs> Y'all should so, have been there. <laughs> so we are so excited, uh, obviously, because we, we finished the first season. We finished the first book. And it Yay. was awesome. And we have some great things lined up for this finale. Uh, so we... We got through the last chapter of the book in the last episode. Uh, so for the finale, we're actually talking about the movie. So uh, this episode, we will be talking about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the movie. The film. Uh, so while we usually take a fresh look at great books, this week we'll be taking a fresh look at a great movie, turns out. Um, it was. Do you think it was great? I think it was very good. I think it was a pretty darn good adaptation. I think it actually. was... I think it was a great adaptation a pre- and a good movie. Good movie, great ad- adaptation. Yeah. Uh, great music. Yeah. Holy buckets. John so usually Williams. we have you sum up uh, the chapters. Harry Potter and read. the Sorcerer's Stone happened on film. That That's how's that for a tweetable. Wow. That is super tweetable. We did it. We yes. did it. A tweetable intro. Hashtag nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, to help uh, us discuss the movie, we, we brought some, oh, what is it called in a movie theater? Sweets? Oh, some, uh, uh, they're, they're called sweets in, in the UK. Oh, they're um, called sweets in the UK. Not, okay. not necessarily in the theater, but, but it's like the, condiments candy. in a movie theater? Accoutrements? Uh, accoutrements. Something that you buy at a movie theater. <laughs> anyway, we have some candy to go with our movie discussion, because that's what you do when you watch movies and you talk about movies. Gotta have munchies, man. Uh <laughs> So there's a couple we're not going to tell you about quite yet, but we are going to start off with some. Are you ready for the fizzing whizbies? I'm so ready. For you the are. Th- I am so excited. <laughs> so um, sh- should I tell them? Yeah, that? please. Uh, so uh, my family and I went to uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Orlando, uh, and I brought back Harry Potter treats that I. Couple that I have never tried before, uh, so I've the fizzing whizbies. I'm very excited for, and Clark has no idea what they are. I have no idea what a fizzing whizbie is, but I'm about to find out. But, and and they are not mentioned at all in Sorcerer's Stone, so minor spoiler: fizzing whizbies, they're a thing. They become a thing. Sorry, Ugh. I've shattered the world. <laughs> so they're chocolate, which I did not imagine. This is a chocolate bee. How did you know? Oh my gosh! Oh, that is great. There, that is perfect. This is already my favorite. <laughs> oh man, we're starting with. The the wrong one then uh, okay but well, it, we'll it describes we'll them as chocolatey fizzy fruits so like our guess is pop rocks yeah kind of like pop rocks or some sort of fizzing. queen bee fizzing whizbies is what it says delicious mm. snack everybody's favorite well, let's try it out definitely clark's okay <laughs> okay so there's a little bit of a crunch in there mm-hmm. sugar crisp nope pop rocks pop rocks there they are I can get behind this. <laughs> I am totally enjoying this. <laughs> These are amazing. I think mine is raspberry. Are they all? What are? What's yours? Mine's kind of, yeah, some sort of nondescript red flavor. Mm-hmm. Red flavor. <laughs> Made it's from so beetles. So much fizz. <laughs> oh, this is great. So let's get right in the movie. Okay, so the movie starts with Dumbledore, which cuts out like the first ten minutes of the book, of, mm-hmm. like setting up the Dursleys and everything, and um. The first thing that struck me in those first couple of minutes, when we get all the like set up and everything, yeah, for where he's what on the happened, street and he's pulling the lights off with the little lighter, and then McGonagall sitting there. Yeah, 
the Dumbledore is way more direct in this film. Yeah. Do you pick up? Did you pick up on that? And how soon did you pick up on it? Like, I mean, the first scene. He's pretty much saying like he he let out a lot of exposition mm-hmm. right away, which is fine. It's a movie. Somebody like, and you have to set it up. And people need to talk. If you don't know anything, like you, you can't just like mm-hmm. have mysterious like we leave baby on doorstep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's, he's good. Yes, <laughs> he's good. He's very good. <laughs> and just like in the book, I mean, it was fresh after the incident, so McGonagall did have legitimate questions. She had been waiting with these questions. They just majorly streamlined them. They because just streamlined it. They had to fit it into a two-hour movie. Yeah, and this will be the first time, first of many times that I say this. I am totally okay with that. Yeah. I'm totally okay with the introduction. I feel like it set the stage. It, it introduced the score in a way that they could not have introduced if they started with the Dursleys. So right away, we get that beautiful mm-hmm. score. And we get to see the nighttime and Dumbledore kind of like appearing out of the bushes, kind of. And it's it, it really sets up the magic right at the beginning, which yeah, that's what yeah. the book doesn't really do as easily. It's a lot of like showing how muggles don't see magic in the yeah. book, which is really interesting and I think a, a, an important factor of the story, but I don't I think that's really hard to sell in a movie. It really is. And the magic that we see, like they do ease you into it, where it's like first you just kind of see, and I was, I was very surprised at the pacing at the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Because for the first like minute or two, it's just Dumbledore holding up this thing. And even when the orbs of light fly from the streetlights to his magic lighter thing, which is exactly what I pictured in my head, by the way. Exactly. Like well, because it looks like a lighter. I mean, she describes it like like yeah. an object that you know. But their production and their props are so Very spot good. on in oh, this movie. Uh, but even when the balls of light are flying toward it, it's slowly. And they take the time. They go through like five or six of them just flying in. In case you missed it, like, that really happened. Yeah. Want to see it again? I'll do it again. (laughs) So that's kind of the first time where I'm like, wow, the pacing. Like, for them, obviously, not having very much time at all to be doing stuff, they're really establishing this world with this scene, Uh, which is great. I think it was done effectively. I liked that they showed McGonagall changing in a shadow to begin with. That's the only way they could have done it. Well, well, but then later. At the beginning. Yeah, la- yeah. Later on, we get the payoff of seeing it for our own. Quickly, too. And and quickly. And yeah. It's, it's, yeah. But it's cool that we got, like, the first, and you kind of wonder, what did that actually look like? Yeah, yeah. And then you get to see it. So that's cool. Um, that is cool. But the, the thing that sort of bothered me about Dumbledore was I liked how he answered the questions directly. But, um, like, McGonagall asks, like, is it all true? Mm-hmm. And... Dumbledore responds, um, it seems so, the good and the bad, which is just very much more definitive than yeah. than in the book, where Dumbledore really doesn't know all of it, and he evades the question a lot of, yeah. is Voldemort really dead? We, it seems so, I think is, is his, his response in the book, and it, it just feels way more like Dumbledore knows all. And we can, like, rest in whatever he says. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the characters are more declarative, too. And including the character that the next character you meet, Hagrid, who (laughs) I this was, in my mind, the first kind of moment of comedy in the movie where 
um, Dumbledore is being super discreet and he's taking these lights out and and McGonagall like they're whispering to each other and they're trying to be so so quiet and then right as she's Here like comes Hagrid. yeah she's like are you sure Hagrid's the right guy and like Dumbledore's like nope I trust Hagrid with my life and then all of a sudden like like this motorcycle comes out of the sky making so much noise his headlights on he's not attempting to be quiet at all and it's like okay that's a pretty good way to establish Hagrid as a character just through like again the use of props and the use of light and um even costume and stuff like that so and the the juxtaposition between that is is just really like that's so Hagrid is he's big he's loud he's very uh conspicuous yeah and no matter how hard you try you're not gonna fix that (laughs) about Hagrid (laughs) so what do you think about uh so we skipped a lot of stuff with the Dursleys Mm -hmm. and we we after this scene, we go on to see life with the Dursleys. Um, but do you think that McGonagall's line about, oh, I've been watching these people all day. These are bad people. Do you think that earned... The worst sort of muggle. Yeah, they're yeah. the worst sort of muggle. But do you feel that that earned in any way? Like, Do you feel like that properly set the scene for the Dursleys? Or did it any justice compared to how the book handled it? I I think it, it did a lot of the work that, that long scenes would do that that just like here's this person and we're sort of made to trust her and she says these are some of the worst sorts of muggles and then we uh, we don't really know what a muggle is necessarily Mm. um and then the next scenes show that Uh, but it also i think the dursleys don't have to do as much to really fit that role then because we're going in knowing like they're the worst like they're, yeah. they're the worst yeah. and so I, I think that's a, a quick way to get to that and i think for casting and this comes in handy later that they casted oh boy dan's gonna hate me for not knowing this maggie smith what's her name yeah maggie that's smith it. yeah of downton abbey dame fame. right yeah dame maggie smith she is uh perfection for all the she's, she's perfection <laughs> but she is not like shrew like she's not nosy she's not saying like oh they're the worst kind of muggle oh like she's no. like genuinely concerned she's genuinely concerned yeah but she's not this weird like little like oh what what's the rumor are the rumors true oh you have to tell me i, I need the inside scoop no it's like she's she's a fully developed character she's she, not just like this little gossip hound she feels like a lieutenant who's trying to get that like firsthand information from her general yeah and they keep her that way. And I feel like right away respecting women in their roles for their roles. Mm-hmm. So often, you know, they'll take that role and they'll turn it into a, a shrew-like rumor person, especially if it's a female. But they did a great job of establishing her like, nope, she she is rank and file with Dumbledore. She is with Dumbledore. She's not an accessory. She's not just a errand runner. Nope, she's right there with him making calls. And she's not an unwanted person who's been waiting for Dumbledore all day either. Like his, yeah, like, I yeah. thought I'd see you here. Could have been, like, irritated or sort of uh, patronizing. Yeah, or, or it could have been like, what have you seen? And she'd be like, oh, they're terrible. And he's like, well, it's all we got. Tough nuggies. Yeah. Like, <laughs> leaving, him, leaving him anyway. <laughs> like... Yeah, and we did get a little payoff. We got to see Hagrid shed a single tear. Which, oh my gosh, my heart, like, melted. Yeah. <laughs> he did so well at that. I was like, I'm... I, at times in the book, in this first book, I struggled mm-hmm. with Hagrid. Of I didn't really buy all of the love that that he, he has for Harry and how much kinda, we're supposed to love him. Yeah, he crossed over into, like, blubbering fool yeah. a little bit. And, like, why on earth would Dumbledore trust this guy? Yeah. yeah. We don't really get a whole lot of evidence for it because he's just blows a lot of things <laughs> and but in the movie 
he is a much more strong. He is exemplary. Yeah, he's yeah. like the and and even we'll get to this a little bit later. But when he blabs stuff to Harry, it, it seems more. It seems just natural. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he like seems he, like, oh crap! I should not have said that. Like, it's, yeah, and it's because he trusts Harry and he knows Harry, and he just kind of the boundaries blur. Uh, so on to living with the Dursleys. Yeah. Um, very short, very yes. concise to the to the point where they tell Harry to make breakfast. And literally all he does is just, like, scoop the bacon onto a plate. That's all the time they have for Harry making breakfast. Uh, which they needed to do, but... Um, yeah, like, we don't need to see that. The one one thing that uh, struck me, like, instantly when we see 11-year-old or 10-year-old Harry mm-hmm. first and Aunt Petunia yelling at him is that the cupboard under the stairs has a lock from the outside. I saw and that. And the, like, prison-like... Yeah great that they speak through and can close i was like this is wow they they made this so much more than like a door with a lock on it but like a a door with a lock that they had to add because cupboards don't yeah exactly cupboards don't come with locks why would they (laughs) like why why would you need a lock on the door of that like yeah i noticed that too and it is nice he does have shelves in there it doesn't look like if i was a kid and i slept there i wouldn't hate it but if I got locked in there, I'd hate it a lot. Except for if your cousin like jumped on the stairs oh, above you every morning to still... wake you up, like that that was Yeah. Yeah. And and that's probably part of why they did it. It's like this like to some like 10-year-old mm-hmm. kids, this might be kind of cool. My own little cubby, whatever. Yeah. Like no, we but we got to really emphasize this is not ideal. It's locked. <laughs> it's yeah. And I don't know if did they mention Dudley jumping on the stairs? in the book because that's a really effective way to show i think it was in there Hmm. yeah okay i think on on i don't think he yells the same thing i think but i think he does do a like wake up potter oh yeah everything's different yeah i mean the they are going on a trip to the zoo that day right then Mm -hmm. which i don't think i i haven't i mean we we just have so many days with the dursleys yeah lots of days that i don't think the first day is but we do like I think pretty quickly get to it's it's Dudley's birthday and that's the day that they're going. Yeah, the day that we meet him, that's Dursley's birthday. They're going to the zoo, which makes sense. If I was a director, I'd make that same call because yeah. that's what really matters. You don't you what... don't need all of that. It's really also would be so expensive and so complicated to show like mm-hmm. Harry's haircut that grows back and the sweater that shrinks and then because he doesn't want to wear it and like yeah, they... suddenly Harry's on the roof of a school and all those little instances they... of weird magic that harry can't explain and petunia is angry with him for like those yeah. would be so expensive and hard to do and they cover all of that with just one line from haggard in the cabin mm-hmm. all of that where he's like you know you're just telling me nothing weird's ever happened and harry's like oh but we'll get to that yeah <laughs> one thing that vernon says to harry before they go to the zoo is um any funny business uh and oh what was it it was I think I think it's um, I think he just says like no funny business in the movie, and mm-hmm. in the book he threatens if you do anything you'll have no meals for a week. Oh, they do that. So he like sets it up in the book as no meals for a week, and then after the book scene in the book, he locks him in his cupboard for like, um, like the whole summer. I think they do that in the movie too. He says no meals. He says sure. no meals at the oh, end. Oh, but he doesn't so, say. So the yeah. punishment is significantly less. Yeah, yeah. In in the film. Uh, and and 
So I thought that was interesting that they didn't go as broad and caricature like. And there was no punishment montage. They didn't show Harry Potter suffering with the Dursleys. They didn't show any of that week. Essentially, the funny business happened with the constrictor and then essentially come back to Harry and he's out of his cupboard again and he's going to get some letters. Yeah. So, so we didn't, I, I thought we would see him sitting there kind of like, I don't know. Like we see him playing with the like action figure soldiers, which I was yeah. kind of amazed that he even had toys. Um, hand-me-downs, probably broken. Probably broken hand-me-downs, but still yeah. like, True. there's no mention of that in like he plays with the spiders or whatever. <laughs> that's, that's what the book says. Yeah. So I, I was kind of amazed that he had that. And that, I remember that surprising me when I first watched the movie of like that, that's not right. It's like, like he has things. I don't know. I think it's it, good, but I feel like the Dursleys are less terrible. They the are film. less terrible. They are. And their love for Dudley, while they do show it with like Aunt Petunia, you know, coddling him after he counts his gifts and stuff, but so much of it is just the set as well, where you just see pictures of Dudley everywhere. Which are so hilarious. Everywhere in the I house you it. see pictures of Dudley, yeah, and they're just super cheesy, super hammed up pictures. Yeah. Well, and, and one thing about... Um, the Dursleys is I I feel like the because of the short period of time and the one day that everything happens, mm-hmm. Dudley seems to call all the shots. And I know that there's yeah. like a whole chapter where Dudley seems to call all the shots, but then Vernon takes the reins and he's calling all the shots. And so when we get to that part, um, do we want to talk about the bow scene at all? Or well, the scene at the zoo when they actually yeah. go to the zoo. Yeah, I, I mean like essentially how they showed it is just like. Uh, Dudley was up against the glass and he's like hey make it move all that and and Harry said something about it. he's like don't do that and they're just like bah! they kind of blow him off so I think that kind of shows like yeah Harry's here he's at the zoo but he's definitely not like welcomed at mm-hmm. the zoo he's just like an inconvenient truth <laughs> <laughs> just uh, like that so um, the the thing that bothered me about the boa scene is how Harry starts talking to the snake first Oh really? Um, yeah, that that's like the one thing that I I think like it, it sort of then echoes later throughout the scene. It's like it's Harry shot first moment, Harry huh? initiates mm-hmm. this conversation, whereas in the book the the snake looks like he's winking at him first. I guess I casually talk to a lot of animals, so yeah, I'm like I mean, that makes total sense. And I do, and then too. the snake just like it reveals that he actually understands him. But and like that's kind of the moment where you're like, oh, the snake actually gets what's happening. I here. think it's a little strange to apologize to a zoo animal. Hmm. Like, even if you're super lonely and you like, just spent a week in captivity, I get that all the time. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It it just it, yeah. it felt way more organic in the book, and and there are a yeah, lot of things yeah. that I think the movie fixes that don't feel organic in the book, and I feel like this broke it unnecessarily i definitely didn't have any problem with that scene not gonna lie it, not a single it problem felt, no i didn't mind it also like harry delighting in dudley getting stuck in the tank yeah i was like yeah. that like boy you're getting in trouble like yeah which i mean yeah it's funny to watch and I, I couldn't tell if get his du- comeuppance but yeah and i couldn't tell if dudley was more upset he didn't seem that scared of the snake really when we really see Dudley break down is when the glass is in front of him and he can't get out. Even Which is sort of an odd thing to be afraid of. It's like, clearly there are ways in and out of this tank. Yeah. And the snake's not even in there. And the snake, yeah. yeah so the it's snake's like, gone. You're just in water, man. Doesn't make much sense. Yeah. But, but again, I understand why the director made all those decisions. And the fact that they even had the snake point to the sign and there was that little moment, they didn't need to do that. But they did. And I feel like it... Um, 
it was worth the time they spent on it. An interesting add to that scene that's not in the book is um, that Harry asks an additional question of, of the snake, and it's, do you miss your family? Yeah. Which yeah. in the book does not happen at all. No. And I think that that did a pretty interesting job of setting up that Harry does miss yeah, family that he thinks about that a lot it does a lot of heavy lifting for a lot of scene that we don't get to see of all of the other life that he's had so mm. it i think it's interesting that that they added that and really smart so yeah zoo is good payoff uh and then back at the dursley's house and the letters start arriving right yeah it happens that fast it's it's very quick. Well, well, uh, Vernon says no no meals. Yeah, yeah. He the end reveals the punishment, but we don't see it. Um, what another thing that I really loved was we don't we don't get the car scene with Harry describing his um, dream of like oh I had this dream about a flying motorcycle and then oh, yeah, Uncle Vernon's yeah. like motorcycles don't fly ah like yells at him and freaks out and Harry's like whoa chill out yeah. I'm just telling you a dream that would be a really hard scene to translate but it does show that Harry's affected by magic and he's thinking about it so instead we get a a, a change out that's yeah. uncle vernon asking how did what like, what did you do how did that happen and harry's yelling like i don't, I don't know. know it was just like magic and then and as then, he's locking him in he's like no such thing as magic slot, <laughs> which was a good transition to get him back and like i, I was annoyed though that they waited all the way until they got home and walked through the front door before he pinched Harry's ear and did that conveniently before he put him in the closet. Oh, but it's like, why no, didn't no, this no, no, happen? No, no. Like no. at the zoo, uncle Vernon is all about appearances. Oh yeah. They yeah. like, if anyone else saw how they abused that kid, they would not have him anymore. Yeah. That's a good point. And despite how much they're frustrated with having him, they don't like, there are reasons that, they have held on to him yeah yeah that makes sense and even even still the punishment did seem lighter than i kind of had a picture in my head like he grabbed him by the ear and it's like oh no (laughs) i and i I wonder if that's because the book paints such a a broad like the the dursleys are such broad strokes Mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. they bestow inhumane punishments yeah and that are just like harry would not have the pluck that he has i don't think if he actually were punished that way it'd be really hard to come back from that yeah. and still have the spirit that he does and so i think that they give him more realistic punishments that he could still have the gumption that he yeah. has and it would be major for a kid mm-hmm. but like well, as an adult we're like well i mean he's not what they're not waterboarding him but you like know? <laughs> no meals is pretty brutal that's true actually and like locking someone in a cupboard for months—that's pretty brutal. That's yeah. imprisonment. I'd assume they gave him some scraps or something just to keep him alive. But uh, but like one is much broader strokes. Yeah, and, that's and true. And one is more comprehensible. I yeah. think. So the letters start arriving. Letters start arriving. One thing I loved about the letters mm-hmm. is every time there's an owl or a letter on the screen, and there's a possibility that Harry's going to read it, mm-hmm. you get um. I don't know if you know any of the names of the pieces, but you get Hedwig's theme, oh. which is the like wonderful sweeping. Dun, 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 oh, and that's like, like what the, I think of when I think of Harry Potter with the crazy. Yeah, it's the main theme, which is Hedwig's theme. That's oh, what it's I didn't called. know that. It doesn't have any lightning in it. It's got the crazy um, uh, harp glissando of, oh. of of the strings all throughout, and any time that there's a possibility that Harry's gonna read that letter. 
that's playing. And then as soon as Vernon snatches it, it goes back to this plunky kind of bassoon like. I never noticed that. I was watching. I was like, oh huh. my god, and it was so frustrating because there was a lot of incomplete themes. Yeah, yeah. And I was like the musical illustration of what's going on here is superb Mm -hmm. it's so good because it's like auditorially frustrating me as well because you're not finishing the theme yeah because he can't read the letter yet (laughs) i feel like this is one of those scenes um so much of this movie i was thinking i'm like man you could just listen and paint a very good picture of what's actually happening you could get no words at all and still understand what's going on yeah or even just the words and the music and the visuals are you know the visuals are there but you don't need them yeah, very well done. The letters are flying. Again, pretty much how I had pictured in my head. They're more like homing missiles. It's not like he's just dropping them in slots. <laughs> um, all the owls, I feel like the Ministry of Magic kind of failed at, at making this a subtle thing, just with all the owls and stuff. And like the owls delivered the letter. Why are they still there? Yeah, they're not policing that. Well, I, I think that's yeah. in the book, though, is that they hang they hang around. Yeah, I still don't get it. but maybe Maybe it's their job to make sure that like the letter is received. Could be, could be. So they're just, like, watching until he, like, cuts it up, and then they're like, meh. Well, uh, he received it. Like, my job's done. So here we see uh, <laughs> Vernon starts to go mad with the letters. Uh, he did say the the line about Sundays, which I know that you, mm-hmm. you like that line. Did you feel like that was earned, or? I really love his delivery of that line. Really? He does a really good job with it, I think. I just think that the, the buildup doesn't set him up as well like i I think we could have gotten a really well-placed montage and like we got kind of a montage but we could have gotten maybe just 30 seconds longer or something where i wish we could have gotten the letters in the eggshells that would have been hilarious that would have been great yeah yeah or like just some interesting props rather than letters just shooting through, through the mail slot the mail slot yeah. never endingly so I, yeah by the time we get vernon nailing the mail slot shut mm-hmm. that's when dudley says daddy's gone mad hasn't he and it's like that that's really not as earned as dudley saying it when they're driving around the countryside and yeah. stopping in weird places and him getting out and like and buying sussing the situation <laughs> getting back in and driving the complete opposite direction yeah, like yeah that's downright insane and here he's just just looks disgruntled yeah i don't i don't know when he delivered that line it kind of made me second guess the casting but i guess we'll get to that later uh and the film again doesn't answer the question of like you're telling me when all those letters are flying through the air and harry is dancing grabbing letters not once could he slip some into his underwear could he slip some under his shirt that's why he isn't in ravenclaw he's not the brightest of the bunch yeah (laughs) Yeah, so you did a terrible job, Harry. And none of them actually, like, they were dressed to the cap covered under the stairs, but none of them actually flew into it. They just flew into the living room. So they need to tweak their algorithm a little bit, too. That's that's why the owls couldn't leave. Yeah, they're like, ah. <laughs> It couldn't quite get there. This is an airtight place, man. <laughs> this is a tricky one. So. so they do end up going to the cabin, but the transition, we don't see any of the driving or anything like that. He's just like, we need to go somewhere far away. And then, like, lightning crashes. They're in this, like the castle type super sketchy dark place super sketchy dark place which um if i hadn't read the book i'd be a little bit like okay wait what like where did you go now how did we get here exactly and we don't see like it's almost exactly like the book what happens in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in there so we don't get any buildup of like okay this will do or like nope and like just like no explanation we're in in a different place yeah yeah and then real quick hagrid comes around and starts knocking the door in, which again, good choice. That's how it, 
it makes sense that they would do that. Why else would they have them just, you know, settling in? Yeah, there's no reason to change that. And so Hagrid arrives and, like, Mm -hmm. puts up a little bit of a fight for Harry. And then they leave right away. They don't even spend the night. Yeah. They don't, like, we don't get any of that. He just goes immediately to, and we're going to London. And it's, like, suddenly daylight, too, when we get to London. Uh, But Hagrid's intro, uh, I did notice... First of all, casting for Hagrid, again, perfect choice. He's brilliant. Whoever that so guy's good. name is. And and how they convey his giantism, or gigantism, whatever. The fact that he is large, they do a very good job with that. So I liked it a lot, though it is a much less blubbering Hagrid. This is the first instance in the book where we see full-on exposition by Hagrid. And this time around, they just streamlined it so much, where it's like, Hagrid just said stuff, matter-of-factly. He's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, you didn't know that? And Harry's like, nope. And he's like, oh, well, now you do. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Harry or Hagrid wasn't, like, um, perplexed by this, or it's not, like, in the book where he's like, uh, what? What do I say now? I guess I have to catch you up on everything. It's just like, nope. Hagrid said, he's like, oh, well, there's, this is also a thing. And Harry's like, oh, okay. I thought uh, his... I sort of missed his rage with the Dursleys. Like, he, he sort oh. of unleashes it at the end. Yeah. But he doesn't seem surprised, really, that Harry doesn't know much. He's just, like, well, well, he does seem a little surprised, but it's, yeah. like, just, like, oh, I didn't realize you wouldn't know that. Whereas he's enraged enough to give Dudley mm-hmm. a tail. Yeah. Like... And that's only because he stole the cake, really, yeah. in the movie. So it's, like, that didn't feel as earned. And then Petunia's rant, unfortunately didn't land as much because we saw so little of petunia up until then so in my mind like i'm glad that she i'm glad that they included her rant because it's important for the entire series mm-hmm. so it's like it's it's very and nice even just important for the and this for the book first, because yeah. the mirror of Era said makes little sense if we know nothing about lily very true very true and we kind of get um another reason for harry to leave with this stranger is like oh well the dursleys also lied to you about your parents and everything so it's like yeah i am just gonna go with this guy because he seems to be the only one who's actually speaking any kind of truth so yep i'm hopping on that motorcycle uh so i think that needed to happen for him to for it to actually make sense um harry never really seemed scared I mean, there was that initial moment where he was hiding around the corner, and then he came out, and he's like, eh, I'm Harry. Like, <laughs> I sort of missed Hagrid's rage. I do, I, what I really loved about um, Petunia's speech is that I, I went and followed through the book, and it's almost identical. Yeah, yeah. It's word it's for word. Really it's a little similar. switched up. It, like, jumps from, she's got two paragraphs, and it's, like, cuts the first paragraph in half, and then, like, inserts the second paragraph in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So it's a little in a different order, but... It's almost word for word. Yeah. And so I was like, yeah. this is really cool that this this actress gets to live in that speech a yeah. little bit. Because it's, it's really got some zingers in it and, and some real character development in a very short period of time. And she delivers it well. Oh, and when so she's good. just like, she's a freak. And I'm like, whoa. There's some real envy with Petunia that she wasn't one of them. And yeah. I think it's really clear in that speech. And then yeah. she comes around back to how she's rationalized all of her actions since then. Of She's a freak. My parents loved her, but she's a freak. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think the movie did that just as well as the book, as, as well as you could hope for. Yeah, I, I think it did all right. I think it was a, an interesting switch of the order that yeah. I, I think would have... I don't know. I think at the time they maybe didn't It did make her... That, oh. that she had envy, and I think that was maybe a complicated 
that could be character choice because they told alan rickman some spoilers like jk rowling actually went and she's like hey here's some things you need to know about snape Mm -hmm. that you don't know if you just read the book even the directors didn't get to know so yeah so it's like alan rickman had that but why would petunia didn't have that (laughs) no way so it's like she had what she was given and she delivered it well it did make her look a little bit crazy though a little bit crazy uh which is too bad because mm-hmm. it, she she's a much fuller character than that. she's a much fuller character than that and even though she delivered the lines great and the lines were themselves great it's still just like holy cow who is this person's a little bit on edge about this mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> maybe like, unjustified this so. is deep in your craw exactly. <laughs> so we go with hagrid mm-hmm. to the leaky cauldron and, and it's diagon alley daylight all of a sudden yeah somehow um and we get a lot of the exposition that mm-hmm. that Hagrid gives in the in the hut while they're traveling and there's stuff going on around them and I think that that works really really well because he's just explaining things that genuine that naturally come up yeah. because they're right in front of Harry which makes sense and that's how it kind of should have been in the book where it's like instead of Hagrid being the exposition bot like here's everything in one place one time I think they took advantage of the fact that it's like no these guys are going to be walking around all day like can't we kind of space it out where it's like oh we're going here well I have something relevant there or like it, it kind of made it feel a lot more natural than like, well, I guess I'll dump it all on you right now. It's like, it, it felt much more real. And another thing that's a lot easier to do is when you have a visual aid. They they yeah. used that to like, rather than spend a lot of time explaining like all the different shops and all the different everything that's going on, you just like see it all in one go and you just kind of take it all in similarly to mm-hmm. Harry. Like there's so much going on in this, look at all the crazy thing that's going on in this world yeah and we don't have to get haggard telling him about it we did see some instances of child actors being terrible though because Look, they are children the new nimbus 2000 it's da, da, da. <laughs> and there was like a two second gap where the director's like one two you go and then the next person delivers their line and it's like <laughs> oh come on <laughs> I'm so glad you noticed that. Cause I... Oh, that was, uh, <laughs> when I first saw this movie, I think that was my favorite line to mock. Really? Like, so even even 10-year-old Alyssa, I was maybe 11 at the time, 11-year-old Alyssa was not buying it. Like <laughs> the Nimbus 2000. And then the camera like stopped panning and like focused on the broom like, handle. Gee, I wonder if that's going to come back anyway. Yeah, right? <laughs> Why don't you just load the gun and put it on the mantle, huh? <laughs> right there. And then uh, knowing the, the quarrel spoiler as well you kind of watch the movie and you're like okay that guy is very clearly like they've got to explain what's wrong with this guy at dude's some point. tripping like what's up <laughs> especially because i think in the book when they're at the bar doesn't hagrid explain why curl's weird like right away he's like yeah he's a dark arts teacher he went out and he came back and he's been different ever since yeah they never delivered that line in the movie no so in my mind that makes it easier to peg him as the potential bad guy yeah I think that makes the spoiler, like, more obvious. Another thing that's interesting is in the book, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure, I double-checked, uh, he doesn't have his turban yet oh, in the book. Oh, really? I don't think so. Oh, I haven't checked. I'm sure some of our listeners will let us know. <laughs> and if you want to let us know, you can tweet us at WordStrikePod. Um, you can also find me at Clark Hodges. Yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong. I'm Alyssa Googling right now because I'm Alyssa at Alyssa Small. Small. At Alyssa Small. Anyway. That's my name. <laughs> So, anyway, we'll figure it out in post. But, um, either way, we meet Quirrell. May I say, the bartender looked so much like a walnut, and I was so happy. (laughs) 
I'm just like, yes. I'm like, because I was thinking, I'm like, who are they going to cast for someone that's described as looking like a walnut? And then I saw the bartender, and I'm like, yes, nailed it, nailed it, hundred <laughs> percent. I don't know how the casting director like. They're like, all right, you, uh, not quite walnut. Not, not you're not nutty enough. I'm sorry. Not nutty enough. So I was super pleased with that choice. Um, just, I just looked it up again to double check. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, he he does not have his turban yet. Huh. Voldemort is not in his head in the book. I actually did not know that. Okay. Yeah, I had to go back because I was like, I'm pretty sure. Um, Interesting. But he definitely does, and it's very prominent, and it's very, like, UK, you're the only person wearing a turban. Which, I think that would be really, it would take way more time than the movie wants to spend to explain why we first met him without a turban, and now we see him every other time with a turban. He has explanations... That, and they're they're in there that like an African prince gave him the turban and all this stuff and <laughs> but it was no given to him for, for de- defeating a zombie and it's like that is a really lengthy useless story that we don't need when yeah. we're already pairing out so, how about, so much else and then uh, one thing that we see from Diagon Alley that I don't think there is in the book at least not in as much detail is like the bricks unfolding and rearranging and rotating to become like a different doorway. And I liked that a lot. That was it's a good effect. a cool effect. I think it, it's it's not the same in the book. I think it's like he taps the brick and suddenly the archway is just there. Yeah. So it's... But showing the whole effect? It takes more time. Cool. It's a cool effect. At the When I saw this when I was 11, I didn't like it because it wasn't true to the book. But now I'm like, <laughs> I can appreciate it because that's... It's kind of hard to show instant change yeah, in film yeah. because there are so many... Like, it could just be a jump cut. Like... Mm-hmm. You need more words to, sh- to explain an instant change. Yeah. And the instant change, they needed to save that for platform nine and three quarters. Mm-hmm. If they just had like another one where it's like, oh, I guess people just kind of walk through walls around here. Like, no, that would totally ruin the payoff yeah. of nine and three quarters. And it's, it's, so they needed to draw it out. It was a cool kind of flowing brick effect, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Like you can definitely tell that somebody spent a lot of time and energy and had some fun with that too. Like that that was weeks of time of someone just being like, oh, I rotated so many bricks today. <laughs> <laughs> And the person's wife is just like, I know, sweetie, I like, know. It's how okay. many bricks today, honey? <laughs> All the bricks. <laughs> I screwed them up. <laughs> so we get to go through, we, we walk by uh, Quidditch, quality Quidditch supplies, mm-hmm. and we see a couple of other, like, mm-hmm. random wizards, and we go into Gringotts, and we see that... But nothing matters except Ollivanders. Yeah, no. <laughs> nothing. Because, yeah. It's all so swift. And, like, we, yeah. we get a brief little look at the at the Sorcerer's Stone package. but And they spent time in Green Gots, and there's the reveal with the money and stuff. But honestly, like, I don't think. Not interesting, yeah. really. It no, was no. It's fine. Good world building. Probably pay off in future films because you've already created that space. Exactly. But. Needed to be there, but. They didn't waste much time on it, and I don't think we should either. Nope. <laughs> Ollivanders. Oh my gosh. So good. Perfect actor ever. Question, is that old Bilbo Biggins? No. Oh, okay. I don't think so. Like from um, the original trilogy? Okay. No. It's like, John Hurt. He is so good in this. And how they show the wand shop, it's exactly how I pictured it, where it's like so disorderly, and there's piles of stuff, and it's dusty. And... They and, also convey the Ollivander's creepiness so oh well. Oh my gosh, he is so spot on. He's yeah. got like just enough like complete awareness of everything that's going on around him and yet complete disregard for like crazy yep, yep. dust and like 
whether he's being totally weird or not does not care. (laughs) And like Harry Potter blows up a pot or blows up his uh, kind of filing cabinet. And he's just like, no, not that one. And it's like, that's his only concern. He's like, haven't found the wand yet. I don't care about all that stuff. What do you think about, because in the book, Mm -hmm. wands that aren't meant for the wizard Mm -hmm. do nothing. Yeah. What do you think about excess violent magic i think we see it they kind of use that again with like the blowing up of the feather and the blowing up of the stuff at the dinner table i think in their mind that's kind of a comedic relief and i feel like kids will probably laugh at that so i think it's for the kids um and they do need to show something happening it can't just not do anything that's no fun where's the payoff where why would you pretend to have a wand if it wasn't the perfect wand it didn't do anything you know at least when you're playing with wands as a kid, if it's not the right one, you're still like blowing stuff up, you know, and you're like, oh, you haven't even unlocked my true power. This isn't even the right wand, you know? Yeah. Because I can still just bah, blow it up. Uh, so I think that was a good decision, personally. It's... Though it does make it seem a lot more dangerous. It ups the stakes. So. Also, Ollivander's an incredible wand maker. Like, all of mm-hmm. those wands are good merchandise, I think. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's the wizard who's of questionable quality (laughs) yeah but like you know all of those wands are really good but they're pretty much perfect for just one person and you have no idea when that person's going to be a hogwarts so it's like you know you could try and put it in some kind of order but you're just gonna have to dig through it every single time no matter what because maybe that person's not coming to hogwarts for 60 80 years who knows how do you organize for that uh so just in olivander's crazy mind <laughs> i loved olivander's i loved um the way that when harry potter got his wand the whole room just kind of like yeah that like, was that was a cool and that felt very real to the book too is the red and gold sparks shoot out in the book yeah, and yeah. you got that sort of da, 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 we've made it and mm-hmm. the whole world changes because you actually have your wand now so and olivander his intensity and when he delivered the line about how like that's you know terrible terrible but great great things and you're like huh that usually great and terrible aren't ever put together in in modern parlance but it makes sense though yeah so i like that a lot um and then hagrid shows up with the owl and he's like hey check it out it shoots lightning but you don't know that yet (laughs) because i was wondering harry's like all i need left is a wand and i'm like that's not all you need, buddy. You still need an owl. So I'm glad that that kind of answered itself. But ow- owls are, are optional. Oh, I thought you needed either a pet, an owl, a rat, or a cat. No, you can bring. And, and so... Oh, okay. Um, and then in the in the book when Harry's kind of feeling down because he just got Malfoyed <laughs> and he comes out and Hagrid's like, here, let's have some ice cream and also I want to get you an owl because you're a sad kid. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. it, it's it's a condolence and also like sort of a fatherly gift to to a kid or like uncle or something so on to nine and three quarters yeah which happens immediately after yeah Hagrid's like well gotta go somewhere here's your ticket you gotta be somewhere in 10 minutes which frustrating in some ways because the the September 1st school start date is so like widely known oh and we just skipped a whole month because Harry's birthday is a very clear date and the start date of Hogwarts is a very clear date but in the movie, they don't make a big deal out of it, so... And then for nine and three quarters, um, apparently Ron's family just says stuff like muggles all the time, and they just, I like... Oh, they don't care at all about muggles. Care. They're like, we're, we're gonna just say whatever we want, and, like and muggles so don't suspicion. know how to see or hear. 
that's that's established in this world. They don't know how to see everything that's, or hear everything. Yeah, that's true. Because there's no attempt of hiding the fact that they're just running into a wall, running through it. Um, it is nice that they had the twins um, play that same little prank and run through, and you're like, okay, these are tricksters. I think the book may have done a better job. Mm-hmm. And then more uh, time to get to know them. And then Ginny Weasley, the mm-hmm. little one, was never named. But we did see her, and she said, good luck, Harry Potter. And I'm like, oh, You're adorable. First meetings are so nice. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. And then we didn't actually get to know Ron at all in that scene. They never really, like, she said his name, but they didn't really. I think she tries to rub some dirt off his face. That's yeah, it. Yeah. But we meet him later on in the train. So the nine and three quarters, Harry Potter kind of, you know, bites his lip or whatever and runs through it. And it's great. And he sees the Hogwarts Express, which I can only imagine they brought back some old train and refurbished it and polished it up. Like, I'm sure people from that area look at it and they're like, oh, like that's significant. And, And that whole train station, I felt like was an homage to a culture that I'm not a part of. But I could tell that it, it, it had looks deep like King's respect. Cross. Yeah. yeah, it had deep respect for London and the UK in general. And I felt that. Uh, so that was cool. Then he's sitting on the train. That was pretty true to the story. I think they sped through one part um, where Draco in the movie, or sorry, in the book, Draco comes on the train and is like, oh, you are Harry Potter. And he does that whole, like, yeah, let's be friends. they have their meet on the train, which I think works better than what they did in the movie yeah a little bummed because there's no reason that it would wait that long like yeah maybe they just wanted to get in the castle and spend more time there yeah and take less time to get to the castle but i think that 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 scene is so brief for some reason they wanted him off the train asap oh we're on the train that means we can bust out our next little treat uh, I'm so excited for I'm this. I'm so excited. So Alyssa <laughs> actually went and, and got us chocolate frogs. Chocolate frogs. I've never had a chocolate frog. It is so much. I, I'm going to open up the box. So oh I'm my gosh, here, that's massive. Yeah, this is a beautiful golden box. There's kind of like some blue decorations around it with some light gold written on top in this beautiful cursive like gothic font is chocolate frogs. It looks just like in the book. Free wizard and witch's card inside. And then so you open it up, and there's actually like a surprisingly chunky frog. Yeah, in here. it's huge. In the movie, it's like this like limber tree frog, but this is like like fat and toad. Massive. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow, you can like that's five ounces. That's 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 real, but like it doesn't move, which is like the book. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. It just sits still. That's really good. Smoke chocolate. It's Hershey. Oh yeah, that's super sweet. That tastes like Hershey. What did you think of the candies in the movie? Like the box and the candy and everything, how it's mm-hmm. set up? Or, yeah. Um, the moving chocolate frogs are not like the book. Um, I didn't imagine the box like this. Really? Um, I think this is so spot on. Um, but I do, I like it. I don't have a problem with it. I just, I don't really remember what the box was like when mm. I imagined it when I was 10. I think they also have like licorice wands and, and stuff like that. Yeah, which there's a lot. It's just, it, I just kind of imagined candy, just yeah. like candy. So who's your, who's your card? Oh, I have uh, Rowena Ravenclaw. <gasps> Do you have her too? No, I have Godric Gryffindor. Oh, you have the Gryffindor, I have the Ravenclaw. I don't want to read the backs. I feel like it would spoil something. So these cards, they're like holographic they're cards. So you kind of tilt they it. They kind of move. Yeah, so you see Rowena, like her looking all serious, and you see the castle behind her, and you kind of move it, and the castle I moves. I want to see. This is really cool. 
oh dude she looks awesome and it's a pentagonal card too it's not like a baseball card they really committed this is like a nice plastic so cool oh i want to use these for coasters i'm really happy that i have this actually (laughs) that's super cool i feel like harry because that's harry was like the chocolate was all right but the cards are really cool yeah that's the interesting part i'm with you harry so so yeah they they have some candy ron tries his really faulty spell and hermione shows up and she like corrects him just how first of all casting on hermione so so good so she's spot on obnoxious in this train Mm -hmm. scene which Mm -hmm. i would say they've they've really like niced hermione up in the movie Mm -hmm. i think uh and so this is about the only scene that she's properly obnoxious yeah which is probably for the better because i probably wouldn't have liked her if she just stayed like it's really hard like the the sudden friendship is kind of hard to buy in the book as we talked about and yeah and it's i think it would be even more difficult if you only had two hours and the first 40 minutes of that are elsewhere yeah yeah to to explain okay this person's obnoxious and the boys don't like her and then psych nope actually we we're okay with her now like that's that's a big transition to go through in about an hour and 20 minutes but they did it really well really well and when you first meet her she is like you said obnoxious but she's like trying to help kind of and i mean she's only there because she's trying to help find the toad in the first place like she's a helpful person uh and we kind of get to see her first interactions with ron and stuff and watching ron in the movie kind of made me realize that ron was just ron was never really that nice to hermione no we never really saw those two have a he's nice moment. Her- he's terrible to her yeah it's until until they're friends until they're properly friends yeah i, I kind of wish we had like because i don't think we get it in the movie of ron and hermione spending time Nope. playing wizard's chess and nope. like having their own independent friendship we get that in the book and it's really great yeah but in the movie they pretty much just don't there's no time to show yeah, that they don't really acknowledge each other's existence you know she makes fun of wizard's chess she's like oh that's brutal and he's like that's wizard's chess like yeah what now and like oh. a pretty poorly delivered line but anyway uh so train ride uh ron gets to see a little bit of the money that harry has where harry's like oh i'll take the lot and he holds out just coins not realizing that he could pay for the lot with like one of the silver coins they buy a lot of candy but they do it like he's pretty i think like i want this and i want this and i want this and like oh my gosh this is amazing it's sort of like living in the new awe of having money to buy things for himself Mm -hmm. And, and i think there's a little bit more respect for that change as opposed to he he feels way more almost flamboyant about his spending i think that might be more accurate to an 11 year old boy though maybe maybe i i think uh i don't know i i think it's probably just broadening the strokes because it's it's easier to explain yep yeah and takes less time so we have this train scene and we get the nice like traveling through the countryside kind of feel and mm-hmm. then like gradually going to a different place and, and then the boats we get the boats and mm-hmm. what what did you think of that first shot of hogwarts like it, i'm sure you've seen photos on the internet it definitely was a different geography than i was expecting i thought it would be like on a field kind of and there would be like a lawn and the forest behind it would be crazy but it's like nope it's pretty much just surrounded by crazy and water and like no car could really get into there so so unless it's a flying car but we're not there yet (laughs) (laughs) way to reveal that you know things man Um, it's in the description on amazon i just bought it is it it really yeah no idea anyway that's funny because i thought the same thing when i was i remember exactly how i pictured hogwarts when i first read it Hmm. and it was like really um 
almost like like it was a castle, yeah. but a very rectangular castle. Yeah, like just a normal castle. Um, that that doesn't have it. It it was like rectangular and kind of skinny, hmm. um, wide and skinny, hmm. um, and had a big field with like a lake in front of it. The, the lake was not really that big. It was kind of like a pond or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like the Quidditch field off behind the lake, off to the side. And so actually the, the way that they have it in the film is much more true to Scottish geography. Um, okay. I which would be that. like you would build a castle on a high point because it's defensible. Yeah. Around and by water. water because it's defensible. defensible. <laughs> yeah. And, and high, the, the Scottish highlands are filled with locks. And that's okay. probably what she meant actually when she was talking about the lake is a giant lock. Huh. Um, and, and I mean, anytime you go eight hours on a train from London North, you're going to end up in Scotland somewhere. So yeah, so. that like, that's, that all checks out geographically. So huh. when I, I remember when I first saw it in the movie and it was so dramatically different from how I pictured it, I was, it, it was sort of uncomfortable. Yeah. Like that. It looked almost more menacing than I expected. Not what I, but it's so beautiful at night though. Like yeah. I totally, if if I were running Hogwarts and I was like, okay, how do we like introduce the, the youngins to this place? <laughs> oh my gosh. Bring, bring them out at night. on the lake at night. So yeah. they see it all lit up in all of its just like beauty and majesty. Yeah. Like, yep. That. And they get to come in shot. and there's candles and it's like that nice shadowy and you get to see the night sky. It's magical. It's like yeah. Christmas. It's, yeah. it's, it's got that kind of glow to it and it, you, you just sort of feel the magic and you're not even there yet. It's yeah, it's really cool. Really cool. So we get there, and and we get we get into to the hallway, and McGonagall meets them, and we meet uh, Draco Malfoy, and it's sort of this uncomfortable situation. Yeah, there's that, that whole awkward happens thing. at the wrong time, yeah. and I think it's because um, McGonagall is kind of able able to shut him down a little bit. Yeah, it it, it truncates it very quickly. Yeah. Um, and her description of the house is, and then we get the little reveal that like, oh, screw Slytherin. <laughs> we get no description of the houses. Yeah, at she all. doesn't. She doesn't do the line. She says, "Here are four houses that you will be sorted into. They will be mm-hmm. like your family." The Sorting Hat also doesn't do a song, nope. and so thank the, goodness. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that'd be kind goodness. of brutal. Yeah. But with no song and no McGonagall explaining what the houses are, mm-hmm. the only thing we know about the houses is what Ron sent to Harry, which is. Slytherin only bad wizards or any wizard who ever went bad was from Slytherin yeah that's all that we know and then we know Draco Malfoy number two who's sorted gets sorted into Slytherin yeah and I feel like they did add in that random Hufflepuff and her name was like Daisy McDuck or something like that Susan Bones close enough (laughs) but she's kind of like a bright and cheery person with the round little cheeks and she got sorted into Hufflepuff and she was no Ravenclaws not represented eh. at all yeah it's i mean and, and you don't really need it it's sort of frustrating that we don't have any idea about mm-hmm. what gryffindor really stands for yeah that is annoying and the fact that like harry cares so much about not being slytherin just because of that one little thing that he said i think he cares so much about not gryffindor because ron sets it up as like bad wizards are from there and harry's kind of like Mm, yeah, okay like, I don't want to be that and then wizard. Malfoy sorted into there and Malfoy yeah. left such a bad taste in his mouth he's like no not I'm so not going bad. where that kid goes so like yeah at least we had that set up but it is sort of sort of frustrating I and think if, that we know so little about the others yeah if you haven't read the book too bad yeah you have no idea luck. so they're sorted there's the feast uh Ron eats like a ton of chicken and turkey legs <laughs> double fisting turkey double. legs <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> 
It's like eating from one, not yeah. finishing it, going to the other one. Just and then like... you just see like this big pile and then Hermione's just being pleasant. So much of it is just Hermione being pleasant yeah. at the tables. Being not annoying or offensive in any way. No, just just smiling in there, watching what's happening. Yeah. And then we, we pretty quickly after, like, we get a little bit from Dumbledore, mm-hmm. which um, it, it's just kind of like... This is not silly Dumbledore. This no. is just Dumbledore reading the notes or whatever. Yeah. Like, this and, is and morning announcements Dumbledore. And I was not happy with this Dumbledore. This Dumbledore did nothing for me. This he, Dumbledore did nothing to churn my emotions. This specific giving a speech Dumbledore. Yeah. And the, this, he, he, all he does is tell us about like third floor corridor. Not a good idea. And he did say you will die a gruesome death. Yeah. Which is not in the book. But his delivery of it is not, no no whimsy or anything, which I kind of picture, even though he probably didn't use much whimsy. But he starts off his speech by saying, like, random words. So, like, I was expecting kind of, like, you know, delightful. Does he he do the nitwit blubber oddment tweak at all? I didn't think so. This is not fun Dumbledore. No. Fumbledore. Fumbledore. Fun. (laughs) It's not that. That's not going to take. You're you're never going to make that happen. Uh, Hashtag Fumbledore. (laughs) I don't know how to spell it, but make it happen, please. Yeah, and then we we get to, we encounter Snape for the first time, and Harry's scar hurts for the first time. Yeah, just when Snape looks at him. Um, Which, is that, is that explained? It, it's in the book. Yeah, where, where but like, like, why would Snape, was, does well, that just mean it's, Quirrell it's was Quirrell also turns Well, it, turns his head, and oh, so it's that's what it Voldemort's is. Yeah. face yeah. is looking right at him. Which happens again in the Mirror of Eris head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gotcha. So it, it's, it comes back, and it's not... I think it's, I'm not sure it would make sense to a person who's just watched the movie what happened there. Yeah, but that's okay. You have to make compromises. Yeah. Uh, Snape, though, what what is it with just Snape and the long eye contact? Like, really long eye contact. Like, he does that. Every scene that Snape's in, he just stares for way too long. And then he says something, and he keeps staring. He does. It's like, like stare acting. Yeah. There's, there's so many like he's in the background, and I'm and like, chill out. Alan I was. Rickman, I had blink, to keep please. myself from laughing in a couple of the scenes. <laughs> so it was like you are, like trying so hard to upstage someone with this stare, yeah. and it's wow. Especially wow. oh, it's so funny because we kind of get to see Harry start going through the classes. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, he gets to Quidditch. But when he's going through the classes, when they introduce Snape as a professor. It's so funny because uh, Snape is talking in one direction and he kind of says something specifically aimed at Malfoy, which Mm -hmm. is kind of weird, but they never have him looking away from Malfoy before he gives his long speech about power and stuff. So it looks like from the way they cut it, that he is only talking at Malfoy for his entire long rant. And then after the entire long rant about like, I can make potions that can give you power and stuff, it cuts right back to Draco, who's just sitting there and he just like smiles. He's like, I'm digging this. I'm digging this. I am in my element. But it's so funny because I can just picture a a teacher just like standing at the speech and just staring at one student, directly at one student. Yeah, that's weird. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, yeah. They just have him kind of looking at Draco's way, but they never have him look anywhere else and then he calls harry out for not paying attention even though he was taking notes yeah i'm like that's bull yeah like seriously and and maybe that's a good way to set up that like snape is a frustrating biased teacher because harry's taking notes yeah but i i think there's a better way to do that and that's just to like straight up call out harry Mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. no reason which is what the book does and i i think that 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 would do a better job. Yeah, yeah. Alan Rickman. 
great actor great actor but the directing and the editing did not do him justice yeah pretty comical though as as it's cut anyway and 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 one scene i I think it might be after this Hmm. where we get um ron and harry coming in late to transfiguration oh yeah and and mcgonagall is a cat on the desk and they come in and they're like oh my gosh thank gosh we're yeah (laughs) we beat her we're okay and then she just like jumps forward and becomes herself and you get to see the full glory of cat to mcgonagall and, and it happens so fast too so fast so fast really good graphics Very for smooth. 2001 and <sighs> we need an animorphs movie so bad <laughs> <laughs> and i i just kind of love that scene i don't think we get it in the in the book at all any anything like that not, um not quite like that no and not not with but but not with McGonagall changing like that, but with her scolding them for being late. Yeah. Like, we get something kind of like it, but her great line of, like, perhaps I should transfigure one of you into a pocket watch so that you can be on time. At least one of you will be on it's time. It's just, like, such a sick burn. <laughs> so I pithy, love yeah. it. Oh, my it gosh. It is great. And then um, we got to see Hermione get her hand up in the air. Oh, I know the answer. I know the answer. I know the answer for the Snape thing. Um, the feather exploding in the class with the teacher that was a gremlin. Which did was Flitwick. There? Flitwick charms. He's not a gremlin. What is he? He's he's just a tiny person. I think he looked exactly like the. I don't think he's a goblin. Really? I think Sorry, that's goblin, not gremlin. I I don't oh. think. Yeah, way to like stray from the world. I Gosh, know. <laughs> he had the super long fingers and stuff. Yeah, I think that was a a poor stylistic choice because I don't think Flitwick is a wizard or is a goblin in coming movies his casting actually changes whoa interesting yeah and he's suddenly very very different and looks very different huh because um, he actually becomes a character (laughs) um i i think it's just because they they switched directors for the third movie and so there were a lot of stylistic changes Cool. So one for... thing I wanted to mention is yes. they're, they're at the dinner at the like lunch table in the great hall mm. and then someone gets the daily profit and there's the news that oh with the Gringotts break in with the Gringotts break in and I was like this is so much more organic because it just happened yep. that's why they would be talking about it not a month later mm-hmm. and and but then the interesting thing about that is Hermione's right across from them and Harry's reading it to both of them and he's like making eye contact with both of yeah, them yeah yeah and she's like not weighing in, but she's listening. And she's but he's not just saying it to his buddy Ron. Very clearly a part of the conversation. It was like, this is this is weird because you're not supposed to like her yet. I don't know, and yeah. and I, I think it works because like like we talked about, she she kind of needs to be eased into, and yeah, it needs to be an easier easement. Yeah. Yes. Easier friendship than just suddenly we're friends because cave troll. So then then we move on to flying lessons. Mm-hmm. Which I still say should be like driver's ed, where you have like one monitor for every one or two flyers at all times. And if a student goes crazy on his broom, the the instructor should know some way, in the the same way that like Snape can cast counter spells and Quirrell can cast active spells. Like you should be able to be like, hey, broom, cut it out. The broom should not fly higher than 10 feet, maybe even higher than 20, 20 feet, I guess. But it shouldn't fly that very high. It certainly shouldn't zip you all around. And then like... He snags his jacket on the thing, and then he falls down, and he snags his jacket next step down. I'm like, he could have been impaled twice. He could have been impaled so many times. It could have gone so poorly. Like, it's miraculous that Neville's alive, which I would say, this makes a lot more sense why Madame Hooch would then abandon the whole class yes. to walk him to the hospital wing, because yes. that is some scary stuff, and you don't just trust him with 
a, a student who looks like they'll take care of him and lead him in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. Like that's scary like, stuff. Yeah, there could be some internal bruising. Yeah, yeah. A little bit. Like we need to make sure this is okay. By the way, Madam Hooch, they're like, look at her eyes. Look at her eyes, guys. Did you see her eyes? Look at her eyes. They're like gray and stuff. Yeah. Whoa, they're like yellowish, <laughs> serpent-like almost. Oh, were they yellow? I don't. Yeah. I apparently was not looking at her eyes. <laughs> well, every time they showed her, they would just like be like, "Hey, look at these really expensive contacts in 2001." Hawk-like eyes, I think, is how she's described. Hmm. But they definitely don't want you to forget that, though. Yeah. I'll tell you what. It's it's very. She has very little time to have strong characterization, so they really yeah. tried to visually create her, I think. And then the payoff of Harry Potter catching the Remember All, completely understated in this scene. It's essentially just thrown. Like, he throws it, but Harry catches it in midair, like, right before it hits the building, I guess, but not before it hits the ground. Like, it actually wasn't that cool of a maneuver to watch. I think the, like, pull up so he doesn't hit the building is, it's, it's, about as impressive as pulling up so he doesn't hit the ground yeah i think that scene pays off a little better during the actual quidditch match but like mcgonagall saw it and she's like what what do you mean he caught it and i'm like that wasn't that crazy i'd like to see you do it <laughs> yeah, my first time on a broom too i suppose but like it i it's... don't know and then harry landed on the ground and there was just like 15 seconds of him holding it up and everybody running yeah! across the field to, yeah! and i'm like <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like a $15 trinket. Like, it's not a big deal. It's just a remember. But he overcame the bully. Barely. I don't know. I don't think it earned the everyone in the class running across the field cheering. Because, like, they barely cheered when he got into Gryffindor. But now he caught a remember all and everyone's like, oh, running across. Yeah, it, it's a little weird of it a class reaction. It felt so forced. And I could kind of see them doing it like, it took so many takes to get that right that they're like, well, we, we have can't to cut have it. We yeah. can't cut it. We can't. We can't cut it. Yeah. And then McGonagall shows up and the, like, general fear that mm-hmm. that he's... Think, like Harry thinks he's going to be expelled. Which and we also don't see that. No, there's just all. it's just so swift, and I think it'd be really hard to show actually. Yeah, again, without a narrator, without that internal voice of Harry, he could at least be like kicking his feet though, you know, kicking some dirt on the ground, looking down or something. But he's just kind of like up and active. He's like, oh, where are we going? Oh, yeah. we're here. What are we doing here? And it's like, no, he should really be just like head down, like oh no, or at least like nervous or something. Yeah. But it, I, I get that it's hard to convey, but like they didn't even try. And then, and then you meet Oliver Wood. Perfect casting. Perfect casting. What a charming guy. And he like, was my childhood crush along with every other female who ever watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. He's a pretty dreamy human. Uh, and then. <laughs> What's his name? Uh, Sean Biggerstaff. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's terrible. You don't say. That's. Anyway, um, so then the very next thing is Harry, like, marveling at, like, I can't believe I got placed on the Quidditch team. Yeah. And Hermione comes in, and she's like, no at all, excuse me, like, your dad played it, and, like, walks him over to the trophy case. Yeah. Which is an interesting scene. Did you see the Easter egg, though, that McGonagall also played Quidditch? Oh, I did not, no. It was It was on that same, like, there was, <laughs> there was James Potter as a seeker, which I think, actually, in the books, he was a keeper, not a seeker. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was a chaser. I think he was a chaser. Um, and then you have McGonagall, like, two oh, shields up. Oh, that's funny. 
So supposedly in this universe, McGonagall and James Potter played Quidditch together, which I think those ages don't quite match up. They really don't, no. But I think it was just kind of an added, like, we need to explain why why McGonagall cares Hmm. in a subtle way that anyone who's watching can pick up on that. And then all of her actions will make even more sense. But anyway, Hermione takes that detour and then they end up finding the third floor corridor. This is where we start... Really? By far the biggest shortcuts in the movie. Yeah, huge like, deviation. We see so many scenes just cut out where it's like, yep, no wizard duel, no Neville. We barely see any like confusion with the paintings or the stairwells. And even even when they're on the stairwell and they're like, it's moving. What is it doing? It's moving. And it's like, you you know that they move. You've been there for a little, like a week. Why are you so surprised this is happening? But yeah, the wizard duel doesn't get in the third floor corridor. Um, no wizard duel at all. It's yes, things just speed up so much here. There's no and and how does Malfoy challenge him? Malfoy challenges him to the midnight duel mm-hmm. after Harry catches the Remembrall. So it's really, I mean, the order is right. Yeah, yeah. But it also there's no Neville there, which it, this is actually the beginning of no Neville for a very long time. For a very like, long time, he gets so little screen time and so yeah. little redemption, and it's to the it point where sad. when he stands up to them at the end, it's like okay, it's not and, really earned. Yeah, it's like who are you again? Like why are you standing up? He's to them like again? fierce protector of whatever points they have left, but yeah. there's no actual personal stake in it for him. Yeah. And also the fact that they stumble onto the third floor corridor because of the moving stairwell. It takes out all elements of Hermione being like, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. It's like, nope, Hermione is on board for everything because she kind of has to be. Which makes it more likable, actually. She's, Which makes she, her way more likable. She's a yeah. lot easier to get on board with and a lot harder to see why Ron hates her, actually. because yeah, Ron's just like super mean to her and it's like, she's just, she's not telling on the teacher. She's not being a weight. It's because Ron has a crush on her. Which is apparent with the music. Yeah. Every time. <laughs> Every time, like they looked at each other, it's like a little, like a little delay where it's like, ah, which, at, which is not in the books. No, it's not in this book at all. Yeah. And then, like, at the time this movie came out, I think we only had three books. Okay. So, like, who? I'm not. You don't know. By the way, prediction. I don't think they end up together. Maybe they do, but I doubt it. Like at the time, though, clearly the director thought with three books, like. These two are endgame or going to happen at some point. Huh. So we're just going to dive into that because we only have three books worth of Wow. So the director was shipping them. Oh, clearly. I oh. mean, clearly. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. That's true. Yeah. Oh, speaking of shipping, we didn't get to see Hagrid kiss McGonagall on the cheek. I know. It's very sad. It is sad. I, I liked that moment a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so third floor corridor. They Can you imagine how fluffy. confusing that would be? Uh, if you just saw Hagrid kiss McGonagall, given what we knew in the movie. Yeah, with yeah. so little That'd context. Be so out of I'd nowhere. be like, whoa. <laughs> like, like, whoa. Huh. That is not a. No, there, there's McGonagall no. is his babysitter? There's no room yeah, for, no. for any kind of, like, just friendly affection. Yeah. So things go fast. Third floor corridor, fluffy. Jace's peeves. Okay, speaking of spoilers, they show peeves. Or, sorry, Peeves is the poltergeist, mm-hmm. which isn't in the movie. Thank you. Thank you for not having Peeves in the movie. There's no room for him. Where would they put Peeves? I, I, I'm I, so glad. It would be Peeves. such a time suck to have Peeves. Such a time suck. How do you explain him? The difference between him and the ghosts and the bloody Baron is also his keeper, but he also mouths off to everyone. It's it's too much. It's way too much. We barely even saw the bloody Baron. We, we literally heard a child say, it's the bloody Baron. And then we saw Nearly Headless Nick, who 
is just way off in his portrayal. Way I think off. that might be the worst casting. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. The, Especially he pops up and he's like, "Hello, how are you? Welcome to Hogwarts." And I'm like, "What?" It's nearly headless. Did they cast Nick. a Canadian or something? What is happening here? Is he's so prim about yeah. his headlessness and like he wants to join the headless hunt, which we hear about in mm-hmm. the at the first banquet, which I still have no idea what that is. Yeah, but like he says it with such pride, and then he bring he brings it up in the film. He's like, "Oh, it's almost through my application to join the headless hunt," and mm-hmm. but. We don't get any of that, like, prim, like, proper Englishman out no. of him at all. He just kind of rolls his shoulders. He's just weirdly expositional, has no problem showing off his headless, like, nearly headlessness, which no. he has a major problem with in the book. Of, yeah. Like, I hate it when people ask me this. Every year, I hope I'm going to be able to rebrand myself, and every year, the first years know about it already, and I just lose all my ground. Yeah. <laughs> and But this time, he, like... Sh- peels his head off with they they spent again there must have been a lot of budget involved and they're like we gotta really show this because we spent a lot of time and energy on this so we gotta make sure that he gets his head all the way and then we see him put it all the way back on it didn't deserve that no it didn't deserve 30 seconds like or at least if you're gonna do that take another 10 seconds to set it up right with the right attitude exactly i think if he were sitting down with them and sort of giving them a little bit of the know-how like like he is in the books and trying to welcome them rather than like i'm gonna fly by and like show my nearly headlessness and then peace out and he actually popped up through a table and said hello how are you welcome to hogwarts and i'm like this is a mcdonald's (laughs) 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 Uh, anyway i think what would have been perfect is if someone's like why do they call you nearly headless nick and if he took off his hat and his head lifted up a little bit, and he's like, that's a story for another day. And he puts his hat back on, and his head kind of slops back into place. And it's just like this quick little moment where it's like, okay, you see that his head's a little bit detached, but you also see that he doesn't want to talk about it. And there's this air of mystery, and his head doesn't come off all the way like a hinge. It just felt so forced. It's, yeah, I I think that would be one way to solve it. It would. I I think staying a little bit closer to the book would have worked better yeah, too, too in setting up because he doesn't really have mystery around his nearly headlessness he's no no it, so i don't know or just not give him any lines <laughs> yeah or, or just don't put him in yeah no you don't need it just have um, to be like it's the bloody baron oh it's nearly headless nick and you kind of see him with his head kind of dangling anyway who are you uh oh. talking about instead of peeves you said peeves shows up oh wait not peeves oh um filch there we go filch and mrs norris we see them in the same place at the same time. I knew you'd be sad about that. <sighs> you know. They only knew three books at the time, though. I mean. That's true. I mean. And how else do you convey that Filch has a cat? Um, or maybe is a cat. Well, there you go. Like, you don't know. <laughs> there's like Filch and also this annoying cat. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're like suspiciously similar. Yeah. See, that's how I like it. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. No, but, so that's kind of a spoiler, but just a spoiler to me. I'm the only person who actually cares about that, but uh, still. It was so fun, though. I was so not looking forward to watching it just for that one reason of, like, watching you try so hard to make Filch the Cat a thing. I know that there's there's no indication that he even knows any kind of magic whatsoever, but still, it's like, maybe, just maybe. 
but that's too bad. Um, so so then we jump to Harry learning Quidditch with Oliver Wood, mm-hmm. and we get the worst physical acting ever from Oliver Wood. Which, <laughs> when he's trying to wrestle. <laughs> he's like, he's I, trying to get the... I'd say, like, actually oh, dealing man. with the bludger isn't terrible. Like, yeah. it could have been a lot worse. But when... And adults wouldn't have a problem with but it. But when Harry lets go of the snitch... And Woods, like, suddenly the snitch could be anywhere, but it's just right in front of Harry's face. Hovering <laughs> and right it's like, there. And it's the most obvious, like, I have no idea where this thing went. <laughs> I can't see the color gold, apparently. Apparently. Because, like, <laughs> nope, I'm, uh, there's That's a reason the I'm not the seeker. Yeah. yeah. But, oh, the graphics. Again, 2003, you said? 2001. Dude, wow. Yeah, it's impressive. That snitch is, like, on point. Like, beautiful. The lighting on it, it's cute little wings. It's on fleek. On fleek. <laughs> so, I liked that. Um, it's, the, the Quidditch I, explanation was so much better because we had the visuals. The briefcase, too. I loved the briefcase and the little door with the Quidditch, um, or with the snitch. I'm like, this is so perfect because, of course, it's behind the, the, the door with the shield on It's so perfect. Yeah, and that was so much more of a payoff with the visuals, like you said. I And I think maybe, I mean, we, we thought that the book was, did a pretty good job because Harry was like echoing and trying to make sense of it and, and, and in essence sort of explaining it for the reader of mm-hmm. like, oh, this is like basketball. Oh, this is like this. Oh, this is like this. Yeah. But the beauty of, of the film is we just, we see the balls, we see them in action and we just hear this is the function. Mm-hmm. And, and I understood the game. I, I don't think we needed Harry repeating and nope. explaining in muggle terms what that means. We didn't need to see the one game that didn't matter before the Slytherin match. I think it was Slytherin first. Oh, okay. It was Slytherin, and then he was up against Hufflepuff. Okay, but there were two games. Yeah, there were the, two, and we didn't need them. In the movie, there was just one. That's all we needed. Where We saw that Quidditch was a much more physical sport. I mean, they talk about that in the book, but like, it's really physical. People are getting like knocked out. I struggled a little bit with the Quidditch because I'm I don't really care for sports hmm. and is just heavily athletic. There's no there, like Lee Jordan's the commentator, but all he does is like and Spinet scores ten points yeah. for Gryffindor. I was really the hoping we get more dialogue from and him. like no him slanting it and McGonagall scolding him. Which and uh, you maybe don't need, but that's yeah. that's what makes that scene. They don't need it, but that is yeah, that's what we talked about most is just how well done. The, the atmosphere. action was captured. But the thing is, what how they used it in the book was to convey emotion and to convey the speed and the pacing of things. We didn't need that. We could see it. So what do you think about the, like, Harry's epic dive and then him standing on the broom? And then, like, I feel like they just tried really, really hard to make it look way more epic. Yeah, standing on the broom? Uh, no. Like, useless. Like, why would you want to do that? Useless doesn't get you any closer. In fact, it makes you way more likely to fall off of the broom. And he's not... I know it's been, you know, they've had plenty of time to practice, but you're not at that level yet, buddy. You're not. You're a first year. You're a freshman. You don't get to stand on, you don't get to surf a broom. You haven't earned that right. It's It was just uh, yeah. useless graphics. That was the only point of it, which yep. I get you have to make it cool, but oof. it's things like that that made me hate Quidditch, actually. Yeah. When, when I was watching the movie, when I was a kid, I was like, I don't care about this thing. Yeah, like, just don't buy into it. So, and then after that, we get to Halloween and Troll in the Dungeon. Troll in the Dungeon. Bum, bum, bum. 
troll in the dungeon. Which was done very similar to the book. I, I mean, I don't know how much we needed to talk about it. I think he's a lot louder at, at getting, because I remember Quirrell like runs in mm-hmm. and sort of says it to Dumbledore when he gets to him versus like giant yell in the middle of the Great Hall. Like, troll in the dungeon. That's no. how I pictured it in my head. I, it's not I guess that's how not it how is. it happened in the book, no. but that's definitely how I pictured it in my head, though. One thing that made me kind of sad is... Dumbledore in the book silences the chaos that happens with like purple firecrackers and mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff. And instead he just yells silence. And it's like, what a perfect opportunity for you to actually use some of those effects and yeah. that budget for those effects. It's and instead you're making him sound like a stern old man. Yep. Which he does for the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that's pretty much who he is in this movie. Anyway, uh, speaking of explosions, and fireworks and stuff like that. Maybe we should try one of our next little snacks. Ooh. Yeah. What do we have here? We have exploding bonbons. Exploding bonbons. It is a real boom. <laughs> Orange and pineapple flavored bonbons. Hmm. Yeah. I'm I'm very intrigued. So there's got to be chocolate involved in these two, right? Yeah. It's I think it's chocolate because bonbons, bonbons are chocolate. chocolate I yeah. think. Okay. How do I open this? There Gotta you be go. smarter than the box. It's a triangular box. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa, there's a plastic thing. Okay, Here. so I'm holding one of these. It's a wrapped in orange. Wrapped in orange, but it's like a it's like a mound with a flat bottom. It smells kinda like orange chocolate. Mm-hmm. Kinda like those ones that you had taken, you had smashed yeah. and into pieces. Oh. White chocolate. White? Oh. Is yours white? Oh yeah. Okay. Looks like it has coconut okay. shavings on it. Nope, that's just white chocolate. It's crunchy. More Pop Rocks. <laughs> More Pop Rocks. So we can't eat it while we talk. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. <laughs> so much candy we can't touch. <laughs> it's tasty, though. It's really nice, yeah. All of these candies are way better than I thought they would be. Yeah, this was a good call. Like the the chocolate frogs, I knew would be good because they're just plain, plain chocolate. chocolate. Hard but, to mess that up. But the cards made it worth it. And then these two, I was like... Both of these sound like they might be terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. They really could be terrible. And I am delighted that they are not. Hmm. So so we get to the troll in the dungeon and Harry and Ron go to save Hermione. And one thing that's different in here is mm-hmm. Hermione, for some reason, does not cast a spell. But she has no problem instructing Ron on how to fix it. Yeah. Which I'm like, okay, we needed like us like... 10 seconds of the troll like kicking her wand away or something yep to explain all it would have taken this is why you can speak but are unable to fix your own problem yeah even just like when the bathroom stall was blown up seeing her wand slide away Mm -hmm. from her the troll didn't yeah so i definitely agree hermione is just essentially like do something which is not really hermione style well well and she's sitting there going swish and flick yeah swish and flick like do the thing and and all the and I mean, again, makes her more likable mm-hmm. because Hermione, who's off in the corner and stoic and terrified, is kind of hard to appreciate and understand why they want to be her friend. Yeah. Um, boys like people who have kind of fought through it together with her. Yeah. It's a good bonding experience. Um, so, like, I think it works in a lot of ways, but we just needed that extra thing. And then McGonagall but- comes in. McGonagall comes in. And she... with Snape and Quirrell in the background, and this is where I could, I like, 
almost died watching Snape just like make absurd faces behind <laughs> her. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are you doing? I'm gonna Why? Have to watch this again. Oh, watch you Snape. have to. It's the best. That's that's maybe my favorite Alan Rickman moment is just like no real reason. Like someone told him, like, I need you to react to these things. Like mm. more, 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 more. And he, Look so at he's, Troll. Look at the kids. Look at McGonagall. Such absurd contortions of the face that I'm like, I like <laughs> I don't even care what McGonagall was saying. Oh, that's I just, too funny. Oh, man. But it sticks pretty close to the book. She gets mad at them, and then Hermione takes the blame, and um, she's like, yeah, but it is pretty impressive that you took out the troll. And things happen really fast after that. Hermione's their friend now, which we do kind of see one scene where she legs, and they come in, and she kind of like follows up and meets up with them. And I'm like, yay, because I like that. I think I remember mentioning that. It was it's nice like, and natural. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have to get this out of the way. Uh, Swish and Flick, uh, good pet shampoo brand name. <laughs> I think I probably said that before. But like, oh, my gosh. Horse shampoo. I don't think you have. Oh, absolutely perfect. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, amazing. Swish and Flick. <laughs> <laughs> because you're worth it. <laughs> it's just perfect. I'd get that. Like, instead of mane and tail, between mane and tail and Swish and Flick, I'd get Swish and Flick. Oh, yeah. For my pet needs. Oh, man. Their, their <laughs> jingles would be priceless. <laughs> so then we move on to... Uh, Oh, I guess that this happened before. Um, but McGonagall sends Harry's broom to him in the Great Hall, which mm-hmm. that happens in the book. But he opens it right at the table. And mm-hmm. McGonagall just does this like, yep, no one look like, do a toast like. <laughs> this bud's for you, buddy. That's yep. right. Like, everyone saw that? Everyone saw that? Yeah, Good. That was me. He's loaded. Like, he's, yep. He's got it. Gryffindor got it. is on top. Like, no shame. You know what would have been great? If they had cut the exact audio sample from Diagon Alley, where someone's like, wow, a Nimbus 2000. <laughs> a Nimbus 2000. If they had just taken that exact audio cut <laughs> and just pasted it right over. It's the almost new Nimbus 2000. Uh, oh, lordy. Or funny. that kid sitting right next to him actually got yeah, sorted just in Gryffindor with him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> cool. uh, but Hermione doesn't have a problem with it, because... They didn't, like, in the book, Hermione has a problem with it because he thinks he's been rewarded after the midnight duel. Here, they haven't done really much wrong at all. So she sits at a table. She has no reason to be like, oh, you're being doted upon and you, like, you're you're being rewarded for doing terrible things. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. you're just being rewarded because you're talented. So, like, there's no reason for her to be angry. But, um, and then I, I do want to take a moment to lament Snape and Filch. The bromance, the, the, the like, dynamic duo that was, like, yeah. Filch and Snape. Where it was um, in the movie, or sorry, in the book, we saw, like, Filch, like, helping bandage up his stuff. And they're like, oh, yeah. And... A lot. A lot of the time. Yeah. And just nothing. Nope. And it's such a weird little pairing at, that I didn't really remember in the books and was hilarious to discover this time around. And then mm-hmm. to not have it in the, bo- in the movie was... A little sad to me. Yeah, Filch is in no way even close to likable at all. No, he's, just he's not supposed to be. No, he's not. He's not. He's the wormwood. Wormwood. Mm. He's just kind of this weird Wormtail? little nosy rat. Wormtail. That that's the one. There we go. And then Christmas comes along. Christmas comes and along. Hermione's going home, and Ron's going home, and they're talking about what's Harry gonna do. Or no, Ron's not going home. Just Hermione. Mm. And what are you gonna do? And Hermione just comes over and she's like, well, you need to look for Nicholas Flamel. Mm-hmm. We've looked everywhere. 
not in the restricted section. <laughs> and then she's like, Merry Christmas. And it's the best it. delivery. Yeah. So they're going to see Hagrid and they just learned who Nicholas Flamel was. And they're going to go tell him that Snape's, Snape's going to go steal the Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. And in, that's the first time that they end up at Hagrid's hut in the whole movie. Yeah, which is, is weird. Because... And that's also the only time they end up at Hagrid's hut. Because that's when Norbert's born. And so it just all happens in one go. Versus... <laughs> You're enjoying that, Wisby? It's so good. <laughs> I have to be so far off mic. <laughs> um, but they, they go to Hagrid's Hut, and that's the only time that we get to Hagrid's Hut. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, like, in all of this, we really don't get to see Hagrid much at all. We no, get the one no. time in the courtyard where we we hear Nicholas Flamel, and then they're hunting for Nicholas Flamel, and then they piece it together, and they see Hagrid again. And that's it. Yeah. And that whole thing, I mean, we get the exposition line of like, we've been searching for hundreds of hours. And it's like, oh, you don't okay. get to see it. But nope. I don't think we need to either. Nah, I've been boring. Um, so then Harry's looking through the restricted section and the, the book screams at him um, and he uses the um, invisibility cloak to do it. And then they do the best truncation of story of the entire movie. Oh, so quickly. And that's. Get rid of the weird after the Quidditch scene, Harry flying into the forest and eavesdropping and on Coral. in the forest, which was so... Uh, just not good. Didn't fit right And instead, him under the invisibility cloak, trying mm. to get away from things and bumping into Snape and Coral. It was just brilliant. That, that made the way more sense. Best edit. And, and uh, I bet when J.K. Rowling, like saw them doing that she's like oh i could have just done that worked a little better i i think i understand like hogwarts has ear the the walls have ears like it has talking portraits all over the place and peeves is everywhere and ghosts like you don't want to have any kind of private conversation in hogwarts if you don't have to yeah no but still like i'm not sure snape's too concerned about being overheard it's just quarrel but things happen so fast in this evening. Like, restricted section, the, the okay, so the cloak, the restricted section, the scene of those two having that conversation, the... Miravera said. Miravera said. And every, just all of that. And, so, just like and then one we get, after the other, after the other, after the other. So a big change that the Miravera said mm-hmm. is it's only Harry's parents who we Not see. Not his whole bloodline. Which I was wondering, is that one just kind of saving some money? <laughs> No, I think it or was... Or is it too more intimate? Or more, a combination of both? More intimate. I don't think money was a factor. Like, they could have, you know... They, they could have paid for a few non-speaking extras, especially. They could have paid for more non-speaking extras. Yeah. No problem. Uh, Dumbledore's... Again, his lines with the mirror bear's head fell flat. Sorry. Dumbledore just... I, I was never sold on Dumbledore's lines. Did we even get the socks line? Nope. No I, that's, that's so sad. No like, nothing. I think it's it's because his lines are sort of flat. Like, we don't get socks. They we don't get head. <laughs> we we don't get um, nitwit blubber oddment tweak. We don't get the weird no, lines. We don't we get just any sort of whimsy. From get it. Dumbledore the the straightforward rule setter, mm-hmm. which hadn't earned my respect. For it. So it's like Dumbledore is in there, but Harry doesn't seem to give it as much reverence as one would expect. In the book, like, it's really like, wow, Dumbledore. Like, he is involved in this? Wow. Like, he's sitting there. He's grandfatherly. It's, it pays off. And But he's not scary because he's also whimsical. And that, yeah, exactly. It, if you don't have that element, then he is mm-hmm, sort of, mm-hmm. not menacing, but uh, uh, formidable. Nah, in my mind, it's just like, oh, Dumbledore's here. 
He's yeah. going to talk at you. That's all it felt like to me. Oh, can we please... I know we, we already went past this, but Snape reaching out to the invisibility cloak because he heard something? <sighs> what? <laughs> <laughs> the director just wanted Alan Rickman to just look silly. I swear. Because that scene is like, come on. Like... You're you're a defense against the dark arts teacher, and you don't. There's not a single thing you could think of that'd be better than just kind of grasping. Really, not a single like. It it almost feels like this movie was intended to be a 3D movie. <laughs> and that's the scene where you're like, whoa, whoa, no, <laughs> that's what it feels like. It a, did, a, yeah. a cheap shot at the audience. Uh, but instead, it just felt like really dude really you're just gonna reach out like what are you expecting to happen and like how do you explain that to quarrel then right next to it yeah because quarrel's like, just like oh, like okay get... so you go from threatening me to like reaching out at the air and then, and then back to threatening back me to like <laughs> yeah i was thinking that too because quarrel's just like <laughs> just chilling <laughs> like just not trying to sneak away either nothing, like nothing so that was terrible yeah miravira said i think the room was too big by the way I, I thought it would be kind of more like in this, like, I, I picture like kind of a small classroom and like it, he kind of goes and it's kind of crammed in the corner of a small classroom. But instead it was kind of in this big wide open space and Dumbledore is just standing there instead of just kind of sitting in the corner of a small room. It's just the whole scene played out way differently and it just didn't matter as much. Yeah. And then he had went and he grabbed Ron and Ron came back and looked at it. And then we just kind of cut to Harry looking at it. And apparently this is like a week later when Dumbledore comes in. Mm-hmm. It's, so. it's a lot of, I'm not sure we needed to explain all that time jump because I mean, the no. books don't even either, but no. Yeah. It, it lacked a lot of the meaning, I think. Yeah. But yeah. So then rather than Harry discovering Nicholas Flamel on a chocolate frog card, mm-hmm. Hermione just finds it in a book. Yep. Big book. Like should have thought of it before. And it's like, why? Because we don't want to waste the time with Neville and trying to cheer Neville up yeah, and give him a chocolate frog. Exactly. And it's just really disappointing how and that ends up. And what I'm, is he going to do? Like read Dumbledore's card when he first gets it? Like, I, I don't think that would have worked either. No, no. I, like, I think, oh, I got Dumbledore. Oh, he's not here anymore. Like, that's all they really could have. Even just like them taking a break from looking and... Oh, eating and a like, chocolate frog. Oh and... my gosh, yeah. like Or eating a chocolate frog in the library while they're looking, and suddenly there it is. I thought they were going to resolve it by them getting a Nicholas Flamel card. Because if he is the only... If Alchemy is concerned with finding the Sorcerer's Stone, and he is the only one to have done it, he He's got to have a chocolate frog card. He, he better have a chocolate frog card. And that's what I don't get, too, is like, why is it so hard to find... This guy who did an incredible accomplishment. Like, why on earth is that such, like, a hidden fact? That's like not knowing who was on the Manhattan Project. Oh. oh. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I see I see how it is. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, so, yeah, like you said, they truncated things very well here. Made a whole bunch of things happen in one night. And then a week go by in front of the mirror. So it jumps you right to where all of a sudden like harry's putting the pieces together yeah so they, they put the pieces together and then they run to hagrid to be like oh my gosh everything's that we know what's happening yeah. and then we get to meet the most adorable creature ever it's such a cute little it norbert, norbert. Oh. oh my gosh hagrid in this scene is one of my favorite things in this whole with film. his oven mitts he's just <laughs> adorable i love his motherly love for this little creature mm-hmm. um I don't really understand why Malfoy's watching them, though. 
No. Like, and why she didn't take 20 points when she caught him. She just made him do detention. She didn't take points. Yeah. It's uh, maybe because he's an arc. I don't know. But um, he, he follows them and then they panic and then they end up with detention. Mm-hmm. It neatly ties up our problem of why on earth do only Hermione and Harry end up with detention and why does Ron have nothing to do with yeah. delivering Norbert? Like there's, there's a whole lot of problems that we had that yeah, are that's just solved kind of... very quickly. And, and then there's the unfortunate like... Dumbledore sends Norbert away. Yeah. And, and poor Hagrid, who's oh. just heartbroken. I'm like, oh my gosh. Which we don't really get to see Hagrid heartbroken. No, but you can tell with his delivery that like, he's really bummed out. Well, but but in the book, we don't get to see Hagrid heartbroken oh. like at all. Even though no. we know that it's like, he loved that creature. Yeah. And he did not care how much it was destroying his house. Like, yeah. So uh, it's it's sort of an interesting trade-off where we actually do get to see heartbroken Hagrid and we we get the, to solve the problem of yeah. two 11-year-olds moving a fully grown dragon or nearly Under so. an invisibility cloak that is not Up that to the tallest large. point of the castle. Like just yeah. so many problems. Yeah, the invisibility so. cloak is pretty much for like one person, mm-hmm. which is how I pick. It's a cloak, not an invisibility picnic blanket. It's, <laughs> it's a cloak for a grown human though and they're 11. Yeah, so you can get two or three, but they're full-grown dragon. Yeah, no. Or not full-grown, but, like, adolescent dragon. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it neatly sums it up. Um, Solves a lot of problems, answers a lot of questions. We get to see bummed-out Hagrid, but we don't see uh, really upset with Draco Malfoy Hagrid. For some right. reason, like, Hagrid's just fine. Like, okay, Draco's in detention. I guess Harry's going with Draco. And Draco's like, I want Fang. And he's like, okay. And it's like, at what point is he going to be like, Hey, wait a second. You're the reason that I lost my dragon. I don't like you at all. You go by yourself. You don't get Fang. Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't I know. I think Hagrid's a little more fair than that. I guess I could be wrong, but I think he is. Yeah, and I don't know how they could have done it any differently. I don't think we see any of that in the book, though. No. I don't think we see him frustrated with Malfoy. I think we see him uh, no nonsense yeah, about it. Yeah, that's so, true. I, I, and that's kind of how I read it of like, we've got work to do. Mm-hmm. That's what you're here for. You're doing work. Hey, friends, but you're yeah. doing work. They put um, this stuff together so fast, by the way, with the flamel to all of a sudden understanding everything that's happening. It was pretty much summed up by Harry saying like, oh, I don't know why I didn't piece this together. And it's like, I, neither do I. I don't know how you pieced it together. What happened? I think it's kind of like dominoes. Like if, if you get one, it all the pieces fall into place. Yeah, yeah. So. And then the lines were... Um, in in the movie or sorry in the book Hagrid regrets having told the stranger and Hagrid really feels the weight of that that doesn't happen at all in the movie oh yeah he's he just he's just like oh I told him how to get past Fluffy it's yeah the issue why are you running away like yeah I I shouldn't have told you three 11 year olds that but you really never mind the fact that I shouldn't have told a complete stranger who I have not vetted (laughs) and do not know if they're trustworthy exactly so we don't see that at all which seems like there was so much weight on that in the book and Hagrid felt so bad at the end of the book and there was that whole scene just no time for it no time Hagrid's not really a full character in this movie yet yeah that's fine there's more movies yeah so then we, we end up in the, in the forest, which is the dark forest dark in the movies, forest. which is annoying. It's a useless name change. Dark. Entirely useless <laughs> name change. Um, uh-huh. And we don't get to meet any centaurs except for Firenze, mm-hmm. who just dives over Harry and scares off Voldemort. Kicks at end. it. Doesn't 
Carrie Harry Way. Nope. None of that. Which he knows I, Harry by name. I would chalk up to probably not quite enough of a budget to make yeah. that one work. Nope. <laughs> Especially because you'd have to have like some sort of practical effects to get like it really. Yeah. Yeah, and like not enough time really to spend on it either. But mm-hmm. so and and we see Voldemort and mm-hmm. caped Voldemort, whatever. Swooping and flying, swooping and flying. Yeah, like what? He's it's an interesting movement. Which I I remember you saying like it, you sort of, it sort of reminded you of slithering in the book. And, yeah. And I wonder if there are maybe some descriptions in the book that they took some liberties with and really yeah. accentuated. If they were trying to make him snake like in the movie, it did not show at all. No. Especially in his features with the big reveal. I think he's more he's more spirit like though, and I think it mm-hmm, shows mm-hmm. that that he's not whole. Yeah, especially with... Well, we'll get there. So, in the forest, yeah, we do see floating... Um, we get all of the questions answered from Firenze. Yep. And then... I like Firenze. The graphics aren't stellar, but no. it's 2001. The Lord of the Rings was out. Um, they they yeah. spent way more of the money on Quidditch. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I could Sports see... get everything. Right? <laughs> So. so, and then once all of that happens, then we have an insane time pass again yeah. of, um, so we have, we have Nor- Norbert's born and then detention, then we go straight to exams, then mm-hmm. we go to Hagrid's again, mm-hmm. and then we go through the trap door. I swear there's another feast in there somewhere. No. Hmm. No feast. So Hagrid's again is for... Um, I, th- I think that's the that's final... That's when they find out that... Uh, how do we get past Fluffy? That's what it is, Yeah. Um, and then they immediately like that day. There's like, no planning about like how are we gonna wait until tonight or anything. Well, it's, he it's does a, say we need to go today or tonight. It's like it's it's gonna happen tonight. Yeah. That's it. We're doing it. And so, but like that from Norbert being born to when they go through the trap door could be two days. Yeah. Like it, it's so swift, which so I think fast. is okay. But it, it was just very but, interesting that it there's no time to, yeah. for them to really ruminate. But remember, like, Harry freaking out and really being like, oh, this is a big deal. And then they'd be like, oh, this is really dangerous. Like, I feel like the danger was never really conveyed because they never had time to sit on it. So it's like, okay, they're going to go to the trap door. Oh, oh, okay. But, like, that's not, okay, that's not they're that like, scary. They're, like, not prepared at all. They don't have a flute, none of that. No. And then, well, the thing is, they tamed all of the all of the tasks. Because you go through the trap door, when you get to Fluffy... The harp's enchanted, and so Fluffy's already dealt with. It's still with. playing. They yeah. just need to jump faster than they already did. Yeah. It does and stop playing, so it makes me think that whoever set the harp just put it on like a 10-minute timer, or the equivalent of. Maybe it's like an alarm, and it was just like on snooze for there a while, yeah, and then yeah. it just went off again. Um, there you go. So they do that, and they jump, and they end up in Devil's Snare, mm-hmm. which has some different rules for some reason. I love it. I love it. That, like, that it's light rather than fire, and, like, if you just calm down, you can slip out. Mm -hmm. Like, you love that? Yep. Why? I kind of liked that um, it felt more dangerous. It felt like, okay, something really could go wrong here if they do keep panicking. Like, they're getting sucked in fast. And then, like, when Hermione falls through, you are like, oh, Hermione just sank in. And then it's like, oh, Harry just sank in. So I I think it just really kind of upped the tension a bit. I kind of, I, I still like in the book how Hermione notices it and she like scrambles away as fast as possible. Yeah. Like, and I think that could have the same sort of threat to it. Whereas like in this one, she just kind of like leans back like it's She's a lounge just very chair. zen. She's like, it's cool, guys. Advance, cool. brethren. I can take you. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> and then 
you know, she... Ron can't calm down, of course. Like, I think it, it's indicative of their characters. Yeah. How they handle yeah. it. It's a telling moment. Because she's like, oh, I know factually this is what will happen, so why would I be worried? I know the facts are right, so... Yeah. Uh, so I liked it. The sunlight as opposed to fire. I don't know why... Yeah. I think they just... This is a thing that Maybe I think happens it. throughout the movies, mm-hmm. is they like to rather than repeat spells that we're familiar with, they like to kind of come up with variations yeah. on ones that we know to show a wider variety and to do a different effect each time. Which I'm kind of okay with that. It, yeah, I think yeah. it's it's kind of a takeaway. It's a little frustrating because like that f- spell is never in the books. Oh, they really? made it up. Huh. It's There's Lumos, which is... is illuminate yeah it's Hmm. it's like it's your phone flashlight that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) sounds handy um so she like they came up with an exaggerated version that's like sunlight boom (laughs) it was like lumos solaris or something so it's gandalf cresting the hill as he charges down. yes exactly that yeah that's my favorite scene in all of lord of the rings by the way so good Anyway, so that happens, and then they go to the key room, mm-hmm. which Harry says the best reaction to it, which is, "It's too simple." I'm like, "Thank I'm you, like, yes, Thank you, you get it." And then, uh. and then they spice it up because the, the book version is just too simple. It's and so would be nice. So boring. I'm so glad with what they did with it. They upped the stakes. It was great. It needed to happen because yeah. if it was just like da, 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 flies up, kind of catches it, yeah, no way. Uh, yeah, and like the the specific line in the book where like he thought the keys would pummel him when he runs across the room and they don't and like and and <laughs> instead like, they not? like took a hard right the other direction of yep. like nope, they do. They do. It's and great. So I think it worked pretty well. And then we get to the chess game, mm-hmm. which is the best of all the tasks both in the book and the movie, yeah, I think. Yeah. And it's it's the most epic of all of them to watch and well, the chessboard is beautiful. It's the lighting, the scene that they set up where they're like, is this just a cemetery? And they're like, no, this isn't a cemetery. It's and the a CGI is great. Yeah. Every single tile is just beautiful. It kind of has like a built-in glow. It's yeah. it's amazing. And, and it takes a long time for them to get through it. Um, they spent so much time on this challenge. They have no time for the potions. They have nope. no time for... Sleeping troll. Sleeping troll. Yeah. Um, the in which I'm kind of okay with, except for I'm really frustrated that Hermione is relegated to taking care of Ron. Yeah, you take care of Ron and then send an That's, owl. I think the most mansplained moment of this whole Absolutely. movie. <laughs> yeah, and which is good that there's only like that main one. Uh, it just sucks because that kind of was Hermione's big, and which which was relegated to the Devil's Snare where she. But she already had that. I think the issue is that um, Ron's sacrifice then becomes more important than the end goal yeah yeah and and like that's what ron says is like you guys need to figure this out go on without me Mm -hmm. and and they do that and they trust him and they say yeah you're right and and that the the gravity of the situation is shown in his like leave me where i am and go save the world they should have given them the checkmate move before he did that i mean harry potter figured out how to get checkmate but it would have been great if he's like, hey, and after I go, you should really move this one. Yeah, if, yeah. if I were Harry in that situation, I would have just, like, somehow ended up with us horribly <laughs> losing. Yeah. I'm such a terrible chess player. Just all three of you are just like, knocked no, out. no, 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 before you move, you have to tell me what I know. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, oh come on. Crap. <laughs> I can't see everything. There are all these parts all over the board. I can't even see where the spaces are. <laughs> So th- that's Hermione's like, no, okay, I'll take care of Ron. You go on ahead. You're the important one. And then there's like this little thing where she's like, she she gives this little like line to him, and you're like, oh, oh. Books and cleverness. There's none of that. That's it's that line. It's like, you're you're a really great witch, Hermione, or something. And she yeah. bats it away with books and cleverness. That's nothing, but. It, bravery it, and friendship that's what you have it's it's a line in the book it's straight from the book it still doesn't feel like something 11 year old kids would say to each other it's something that she says to him in the potions task and there's something there's something uh, or maybe it's not there it might be after he's recovered hmm. and and either way it didn't feel natural are, like in their mutual admiration society being like no you're great no, no you're great no you're, you're great, great. <laughs> i'll just agree that ron's kind of a dick yeah <laughs> can we just agree on that uh, so That's two swears for one podcast <laughs> <laughs> i try to hold it back uh, uh, um okay so then harry moves on to the mirror of air said mm-hmm. and we get quarrel Who's not stuttering at all and does... Well, it wasn't Snape. It, it wasn't even Voldemort. <laughs> it, it was Quirrell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's uh gives a much abbreviated version of his evil villain monologue. Thank goodness. Yep, which is fantastic. Uh, yep. Um, and uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I think worth talking about in this, except for the added fire all around it, which I'm like, this is how you mm-hmm. uh, are sort of apologizing for not having this potions task is you are surrounding your room in fire anyway. Yeah. Like, he needs to get through the fire somehow or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And how he snapped his finger in the fire came. I'm like, yeah, yeah. awesome. Well, Cause he does that in the book. He snaps his finger and Harry's bound. Yeah. And so he instead chooses to trap him essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which so, I thought was way better. Way more impressive to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And like, what, so Harry's bound? That wouldn't make for that good of watching, I guess. Yeah. It was interesting that Harry still like, uh, so Voldemort or Quirrell or whatever is like, boy, come here, tell me what you see. And he did it. Like, he actually is like, okay. And he walked up to the mirror. And it's kind of this awkward moment of like, Harry's just a kid. And when an adult yells at you at a certain point, you're like, okay, yes, sir. And you just kind of do it. And you're like, okay, hopefully this works out. It's like you were clearly crazy. So, yeah, so. and I am not quite sure what your goal is because I thought you were going to be Snape. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You are not I, who I expected. I did not account for any other variables here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and he still doesn't know how to cast a spell at all nope, in this movie. Not, I, yeah, he's done none. I, I realized in the book, I think he does one spell mm. at one point. But, I don't remember when... <laughs> But in the movie, it's like he could none. have been a human. And I'm not even everything. sure he holds a wand after. No, after a, after he gets the wand. Yeah. <laughs> like, Where so it's like everything that well, he used the wand against the troll, I guess. No, he doesn't. Ron does. Ron casts the spell. Oh, Harry, like yeah, with yeah, shoves nose, it up his yeah. nose. But still, like just about everything we see Harry do, he could have done as a human. Yeah, as as a assuming non- the brooms don't require magic. No, they don't. Huh. So. Yeah, big boss fight. 
uh, was pretty cool. It was good. It was uh, coral turning to stone and shattering. Yeah, that is brutal. Way more impressive than just like nebulous Harry passes out and are we sure? Yeah. Quirrell's dead? We have no idea. Like, especially like when when we look over, we see Quirrell's hand just like dissolve. <laughs> I was actually like, whoa, okay. Like that, <laughs> that's how this movie is PG. You know, <laughs> because I could see some G. kids being yeah. like, whoa, like, that's freaky, man. This guy's dissolving. And uh, then and then the Voldemort at the end, you see, like, for sure, Voldemort is still out there. Yeah, yeah. Because he goes Flies right through away. Harry and there's. And that's kind of what takes him out and knocks him unconscious. And, like, I think, like, they kind of zoom in and they're like, but Harry has the Sorcerer's Stone. And that's kind of where the shot, um, like, lies before they move on to the next mm-hmm. scene. And I think, like, kind of what is in my head is, like, oh, Harry survived in part because he was holding the Sorcerer's Stone. In my mind. I doubt, I doubt that's the only reason he survived that weird onslaught, because he's obviously protected against Voldemort. I don't think that had any bearing on it. I think hmm. it's um, Harry survived because he's solid and human. Yeah. And Voldemort is a piece of a soul that isn't even corporeal if he doesn't have a willing body. That's true. And he passed through him and he was able to kind of, you know... Like, he has some power, some stuff, but... but without, a, like, a body to transfer that power out yeah. and sort of harness it, he's kind of screwed. And he kind of talks about how he's just a parasite. And he kind of talks about his situation a little bit more, which is nice. Uh, poor Quirrell, though. Man. <sighs> Poor Quirrell. Poor Quirrell. He got dissolved, man. They could have reformed him. Or they could have, like, reformed yeah. him in the, in the sense of, like, they they maybe could have brought him back into society. Maybe. Yeah, <sighs> I, I think when you're, you're, you willingly give yourself to Voldemort as the host of the darkest wizard ever to exist. Maybe you had it coming. Yeah, there's, yeah. Th- there's not a very easy comeback from that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then Harry wakes up at the hospital, like, super fine. He just wakes up, and he's like, oh, I feel great. Leans over, grabs his glasses, looks around. Oh, what a nice day. And it's like, what? That's not how that a bit, A little bit stale in my mouth. What's yeah. happening here? I've been sleeping with my mouth open. I don't yeah. know. It's like, oh, look, a card. Oh, look, everything. Oh, look, Dumbledore. Oh. And then Dumbledore delivers the line where it's like, that's probably um, my most clever trick yet, where he explains the mirror of Erised. And it's like, even in the movie, I'm like, really? That was clever, huh? That was your most clever move. Very interesting. I didn't, I, ah, I did not like Dumbledore. I'm sorry. We'll get there. But mm-hmm. uh, it's problematic. But what we do get mm-hmm. is Harry with his shrine of treats. Um, some birdie bots ever flavor beans. So, uh-huh. which we happen to have right here. We just happen to have some granny bots ever flavor beans. The packaging looks a little bit different from from the disney store as opposed to or sorry the yeah disney store as opposed to the movie universal universal there we go Ooh, this is but it's still it kind of looks like a circus tent almost it's like a square box Uh, with a triangular top and it's uh has the red and white stripes of maybe a circus tent there's kind of like some colorful masks on the side of maybe bernie bots bertie 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 bots bertie oh gosh does it have the key it doesn't oh no it maybe does like I want to at least take a good guess. This is a small piece of paper what it folded up in the bottom. There's bogies and earwax. Do they say bogies? It says bogies. Not boogers, huh? That's nope. an American thing. Yep. Let's see. So we have bogies, banana, earthworm, marshmallow, black pepper, soap, watermelon, 
Cherry, tutti frutti, grass. <sighs> Go for it. Okay. I'm just going to pick one randomly with my eyes closed. Oh my gosh, you're very brave. What? <laughs> How bad could they be? Earwax. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not up. going for the toffee flavor. I think the reds are kind of okay. That's what Dumbledore went for was toffee and he got earwax. Yeah, I think the reds are kind of okay. <laughs> I think I got cherry. Yeah? Yeah, something. Okay, I've got a deep red here. Oh, cinnamon. Cinnamon? Ah, oh, gross. Which is pretty tame, but my least favorite candy. <laughs> okay. Going for another one. Also pleasant. Nice. I'm getting some good luck here. There's a dark green. Oh, there's a rotten egg one too. I want oh. nothing to do with that. Let me see. Dark green. I think maybe that was the lemon sherbet that I just got. Hmm, it was watermelon. And cinnamon. I maybe wouldn't mind that, but. All right, no gross ones. Okay. Maybe I should try until I get a gross one. Blue pink. That sounds like earthworm to me. Mm. Or candy floss? I think it might be tutti frutti. It could be vomit. I don't know. <laughs> hey, this is the first one I can't name. Oh, no, that was that was candy floss. Okay, that's good. This is either the dirt or soap. <laughs> Those are two very different things. Or earthworm. I guess I have no idea what earthworm tastes like, but this is a, it's like a dark red color. Oh man, playing, eating these is like candy roulette and I just really don't like it. Yeah, that's it gotta be. such anxiety. Gotta oh. be what earthworm tastes like. Ugh. Pretty much every flavor beans. Wow, we thank you. We haven't gotten an earwax, but. Thank you so much for sharing those. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So then we get to the feast. Mm-hmm. And... Dumbledore pulls his douchiest of all douchey moves. Oh, it's so douchey. Although the effect is very cool. Yeah. With the waving and the thing and the but the points that he doled out, just like in the book, including Neville. I loved Neville's facial reaction to it. Where it just like couldn't even really process and he kinda gave like a little like a smile, like he was you know, knew people were looking at him, so he smiled. But he like just could not even comprehend. Like I've never gotten points ever. Yeah, it's like amazing. All these people looking at me. Um, and then from there, we just go straight to the platform and mm -hmm. Hagrid gives Harry his album of his parents that Aww, he, which is so nice in the him. book gives to him in, um, in the hospital wing mm -hmm. and it's lovely. And we get to see like happy James and Lily Potter and mm -hmm. baby Harry and it's adorable. And then the kids hop on the train and the three of them just kind of look back at Hogwarts and say like, Harry does that parting line of i'm not really going home not or, not really yeah and then it's big swell of music it's done and and that's how do you feel about ending the story essentially still at hogwarts uh i'm okay with it yeah and i'm okay with hagrid taking the line of like oh you can mess with your cousin and harry's like i'm not supposed to he's like he doesn't know that yeah that's I, way that better felt than way better yeah. Then Harry just being like, oh, I'm going to be a malicious a little prick. Yeah, Excuse exactly. me. <laughs> uh, don't make me use the explicit tag this episode. <laughs> Still a family show. <laughs> uh, malicious little prick. <laughs> yeah. So we do see, um, I felt the ending was natural. It ended at Hogwarts. That's fine. I don't care about the next spot anyway. What? Like, I don't want to see the Dursleys house again. That'd yeah. be such an annoying way to end the movie. Or even to see the Dursleys. I mean, I think it's a good reminder in the book that like, Hogwarts is a haven for Harry. Yeah. And he still has to return. 
to these people who raised him. And I, th- I think it's an important reminder that he, like, there, there are a couple of um, uh, sort of boarding school magic kind of books that they just live at the boarding school from that point on. And so to, yeah. that's sort of different to have that. I guess I'll just compare it to uh, one of my favorite movies, The Breakfast Club, <laughs> where it's uh, the final scene wasn't them arriving at home back to their normal circumstances. It was them in the parking lot it's going their jock, separate ways. A genius, a criminal, <laughs> a basket case, and a princess. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't think those are the right. The first three are not right. Well, felt right. A criminal and a, and a princess are right. Basket hmm. case, criminal, princess. Anyway, go so planet. Yep. That movie, that movie ends with uh, them all just being in the parking lot, kind of going their separate ways, and it's like you you get to imagine where they go next, and I think that's the best way. Yeah, it, so. it's it's good that you get to end on the three of them, and it's a pretty isolated shot, so yeah, it works. It it does feel a little weird that it's still a Hogwarts though. Like, hmm. I, I, I would almost take them on the train, like looking out the window as Hogwarts Hogwarts escapes in the distance or something. I was going to say, like, where else would it be? But the train? Yeah, I can see that. Like, I could even... Maybe, like, a train riding into the sunset? Just saying. Hmm. 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 I could even uh, preface that with a 10. Just, you you know, to... (laughs) Because it just feels right. It's nice and even, you know. it's nice and even. Works out. So, Um. (laughs) I guess... So, that's the movie. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, best casting. Yep. Who's who's your favorite casting? Favorite casting, um, Emma Watson. She is a fantastic Hermione, exactly how I pictured it. Uh, and Daniel Radcliffe, those two. I think they really sell it. Um, the way that Daniel Radcliffe glares is great. Even though I think they use He's it a little too much. He's a precocious little kid. He's precocious. I think he glares a little bit too much. And that scene where he glares at Snape and Snape looks like a chimpanzee who just found <laughs> a banana for the first time. <laughs> what? He just did what? <laughs> I hated that. But um, he has a good look for it. I would never imagine that Daniel Radcliffe would go on to do what he's done with his career, which is very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. Great, but interesting. Uh, so... Definitely Emma Terrible, Watson. yes, Terrible, but yes. great. <laughs> yeah. So I would say uh, favorite order. Okay, so Emma Watson, uh, whoever played Hagrid. Robbie Coltrane. Robbie Coltrane. And then um, Harry Potter and then uh, P- Professor McGonagall. Maggie Smith. Maggie Smith. So those are my, my top four. Yeah, I've, I've got a similar top ones i I love robbie coltrane Mm -hmm. as hagrid he's amazing he brought a humanity to hagrid that i think the books didn't really succeed in doing in the first book they tried like the sorcerer's stone book tried but there was just so much world building and exposition that he just got unwieldy Mm -hmm. um and i love maggie smith she's amazing Mm -hmm. she can do no wrong (laughs) um and then yeah whoever played Ollivander was that john hurt oh yeah it's john hurt amazing he's he's as soon as he was on screen i was like perfect moment like Mm -hmm. i don't even i'm not even sure i care what happens next after this like this makes the movie for me is this weird uh, scene yeah and i think like you said if there is a different director at or after book three i don't know it with the with the third film is where the change happens i feel like as soon as that change happens it's just going to be alan rickman alan rickman alan rickman snape first of all because you're getting to know his character more i'm sure by then but also i hope the director does more with him because i i loved alan rickman he, he was the perfect casting for snape i can see why jk rowling like specifically picked him but 
they just didn't do enough with him. And for him being, like, the big bad guy that you're supposed to really like, he just kind of looked like he was confused most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so... I think those are those are my, my three standouts. Like, I'm, I wouldn't even... Like, the child actors, I'm... Really? P- partly because I think they weren't written as well as they could have been. Like, Hermione was... I think she she did a very good job with it, but mm. um, I I think I still sort of struggle with like she's just sort of a part of the group anyway. Oh, okay. All the time. Yeah. That like she she does a really great job with it, but it's not my favorite character really... in this film. Okay. So, so I, say... those three: Hagrid, McGonagall, and Ollivander. Yeah. Just make it for me. Especially Ollivander was just in one scene, but man, did he treat it was that stellar. Yeah, and... he did a great job. Like, I want to see more of that. Yeah. Um, so how about uh, least favorite casting choices? Who didn't fit? Nearly headless Nick. Yeah. What's with that? <laughs> he had, like, 30 seconds. That's what, <laughs> what it was. I I think the, uh, the Weasley twins. Thank you. They become pretty good when they have fuller parts. Thank you. I'm so glad that they do. Because but I was thinking man, like man, they're like frustrating in this. Well, they look, they're like little dweebs. They're not likable. And like for people who are supposed to be like the kind of the cool older brothers that get into trouble and stuff, they're not that. They're not that. They're, they're just they're kind pests. of pests. And I think that might have been fixed if rather than Ron and Harry just stumbling upon each other mm-hmm. on on the train, if like the way Harry meets Ron is the Weasley twins help him out. And then yeah. they say, oh, by the way, this is our brother. All right. See you later. So like they're already allies, but yeah. our only encounters with them are them being sort of annoying to their mom and yeah. then sort of annoying everywhere else. And the way they delivered their lines to the mom, aren't that good either. Yeah. Which I mean, again, child, Just child actors. It's yeah. hard. It's true. And you don't know what they're going to grow into either. And it's kind of hard when you're, you're like, we're going to make a lot of these. So <laughs> <laughs> who can we bank on? Exactly. So, and then, yeah, Dumbledore, I used to love Richard Harris as Dumbledore. Yeah. So Dumbledore, it, nope. I did not. That that's definitely my. I think he has the look down, way more than Michael Gambon does. The look, like it, in a still picture, mm-hmm. yes. In a moving picture, on a chocolate frog card, you got it. Absolutely. <laughs> when he actually starts moving, I guess I haven't seen new Dumbledore um, actually move around and stuff. I've only seen old Dumbledore. But like when I think Dumbledore, I think I don't. Did I say this at the beginning or was this pre-show? But I imagine Dumbledore being someone who could kind of dance or, or, or kind of like have a little skip in his step, be mm-hmm. sprightly. And I just don't see that in Richard Harris. I really don't. He seems old. He seems like he couldn't run anywhere even if he needed to. And it's like, I want a Dumbledore who's a lot more like um, the Lord of the Rings wizard. I completely forgot. Gandalf. Gandalf, there we go. Um where it's like he's kind of a badass and like yeah he's really old and he doesn't move that fast but man he's got if he needs to he can step it up and i do not feel like richard harris could step it up gandalf's a lot more coarse than than dumbledore is yeah but i mean that's that's the energy level Yeah, yeah that's the energy level and the agility that i would want from a dumbledore i want someone who could like maybe he drinks a little more ale and he does a little jig and Richard Harris doesn't do a little jig. Richard Harris delivers his lines plainly. So here's my out out of the ballpark mm-hmm. cast for Dumbledore. Ooh. Um, Patrick Stewart with a wig. And a, <laughs> like, like, 
like so Nadia McKellen, just like his friend. No, like can you imagine Patrick Stewart though? He w- he has way more of the like, just uh, sort of joyful whimsy. That I mean, whereas um, Ian McKellen is has kind of a sinister feel to him. Yeah, at times, which I don't, I wouldn't mind from a Dumbledore, but uh, yeah, I could see that. I mean. Professor X is a somewhat similar role where it's like a fatherly figure that cares, but he's also serious because it is serious. But I think he could have a ton of fun with Dumbledore. I could see You just need to yeah. like have some really good wig action going on. Really good <laughs> wig action. Like really good. I, oh. I like it. Um, or maybe just like recast John Hurt and find someone else for Ollivander. Yeah. Well, yeah. That'd be kind of a waste of a good Ollivander. But, but, I mean, Ollivander's such a tiny part. That's that, true. Like, yeah. And Dumbledore is a real commitment. That's... Even just, who plays uh, Saruman in Lord of the Rings? I know not all wizards are the same. I know. I know. But, but... they all have white beards. <laughs> but whoever played Saruman, um, maybe him? Though they'd have to tweak his eyebrows. Yeah, he's, no, he's way too sinister. Christopher Lee. There we go. No, okay, yeah, now yeah, that I think about I, it. I can't yeah, now that I see it. imagine that. But um, mm. I think it's a little weird that they, like, the other Gryffindor boys, you get Dean Thomas and Seamus Finnegan, and they just, like, become these little caricatures of, like, Seamus just blows stuff up all the time. Yeah, what's with that? Yeah. Um, and, like, him trying to turn water into rum. I don't think that's in the book. No, not at all. No. And so, like, he, he becomes, like, that funny. this weird, mischievous little irish kid that uh, i that kind of seems like he's maybe on a spectrum which like, is fine but <laughs> like the the kid uh does a fine job with it but yeah, yeah. The, but that writing for it is just really strange exactly where it doesn't even make him seem like a fully developed human like and, and when i said spectrum like i'm not trying to be like mean or anything it's just like just in the sense that all he is is the spells that he's trying to cast mm-hmm. That's all we know about his character is the fact that he just tries and me to... And my mom's a witch. Me, me, me dad's a muggle. <laughs> yeah. He gave that little speech, which is like, is that your character development for him? Well, that's about all the character development he gets in the first book anyway. But that's true. It'd be cool like, if he's like, that's why they call me a blank. Is there a word for half-blood? It's half-blood. Oh. <laughs> so they, so half-blood is what they call me. Something like that, where it's like, okay, at least we're learning some terms here. But. Yeah, so I, I I get why they did it, because they're trying to show character of more of the kids around, and yeah. you don't really get to meet many in the first book no. anyway, so you sort of default to your Gryffindor boys. But So how about, like, um, I guess favorite scenes real quickly? Um, <laughs> Ollivander. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and not because it's any good, but Alan Rickman behind McGonagall <laughs> in the troll scene was amazing. I, I seriously need to watch that because it was so good. Yeah. Um, th- those would be probably my favorites. I I really liked the opening scene actually. I was mm. a little frustrated with Dumbledore being so direct, but I understood why. Yeah, and I feel like happen. it just set the stage really well. How about you? Favorite scenes, Norbit. Norbert. Norbert's really Norbert's good, too. Norbert's way cute. Way cute. They kind of just, like, tacked Fang along just for the ride on the detention, by the way. We didn't see him up until then, did we? No. Well, that was the first time, right before that, I think we met Fang. We met Fang when Norbert was born. Hmm. Okay. Very briefly. Uh, so, 
I liked uh, just any feast in Hogwarts and the big castle because that's exactly how I pictured it. Exactly how I pictured it. Um, except for the prefect whose one line is, follow me, keep up, please. Follow me, keep up, please. And it's yes, like, I mean, stop that. He's trying to be Percy, but he's not cheery enough about it. Yeah, like, exactly. He's not like, all right, guys, let's Percy's go. Percy's like, I am living my dream. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. he's like a Disney World employee. Stand aside. I have fulfilled my destiny. Yep. I am moving first years and to so the he's like, Keep Island. up, please. Keep up. Yeah. Uh, so I just loved the world building and how successfully they captured the moving pictures. And yeah, they showed it to you, but they didn't shove it down your throat. They didn't force. There, was, there wasn't that scene where they got in the argument with the fat lady picture which is great because that would have been annoying and like there's just so many things i just love what they chose to cut out more than what they actually chose to kept it yeah i think i i got to the end of this and things that used to bother me Mm because they cut them out i'm now like oh my gosh it helped so much (laughs) because you're an editor now (laughs) so much (laughs) i don't know i'm a big girl now (laughs) um Uh, okay so what was the best change speaking of from the book to the movie best change uh no forest scene with uh, the Snape and Quirrell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. That was my, like, number one. Yeah, yeah. Just, no. Because uh, where did that fit in, you know? Uh, it also, barely fit in the books. It felt weird at the time when yeah, we were reading it. It really did. We're like, wait, why? And then Harry's, and then there's a book that got taken away because why would a teacher take his student's book? That makes no sense. Yeah. Uh, so that also... Um, I think that they took out the hours and hours of reading and studying and stuff like that, uh, for especially for Nicholas Flamel. And, like, sure, they just found him in a book, but, like, whatever. It was a good choice. And, yeah, he wasn't on the playing card. I, I don't know. There were just a lot of little things where I'm like, thank you so much. Oh, Peeves. Peeves is a big one. Like, they took Peeves out. Thank goodness. There is no room for Peeves. Yeah. So, well, my, how about you? What are your favorite things they changed? My favorite change was Snape and Quirrell's conversation being moved. Um, I, I think also Hagrid's introduction just being really swift mm-hmm, mm-hmm. into like I'm now explaining the world to you. He um, seemed like not... a much more useful character as opposed to just yes. a robot. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So those were probably my favorites. Um, worst change would probably be no potions to ask for me. Really? I just didn't miss it i i I miss hermione's like showing her stuff and 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 like we talked about how um she's sort of relegated to taking care of ron yeah that is yeah the trade no way is taking care of ron more important than saving the world from voldemort no especially take care of him but how wait until he wakes up and then i guess walk with him like come on come on he'll be there when you get back if you get back exactly Or he'll be stumbling across the hall with a concussion. Like, yeah. you don't need to take care of him. What does that mean? So that was that was my least favorite change. How about you? Uh, least favorite change? Uh, I guess I didn't like what they did with Percy, where they turned him into a nothing. Um, I didn't like kind of a lot of the forced lines, where it's like things just felt really rushed there for a minute. Where it's like, within the span of like, 10 minutes they figured out everything they needed to know about the sorcerer's stone and went into the chamber and were like halfway through the challenges in like 10 minutes and i'm like holy cow what we spent longer than this just like at, at one of the feasts so i'd say yeah um there were a few parts where it felt a little bit too rushed but maybe there's a director's cut to like fix that i don't know yeah i don't think it fixes much much of those oh, speed really? throughs hmm. um i do have an extended version that i haven't seen all of it but i know there there are a lot of random scenes that are cut out that 
aren't aren't really missed i don't think but Hmm. well speaking of missing things if we missed anything that you really loved or hated about the movie we'd be amazed but (laughs) we'd be amazed because you know we've covered a lot of bases this is a really long episode (laughs) thanks guys uh but uh definitely reach out to us on twitter at wordstruckpod i'm at clark hodges i'm at Alyssa small and uh we mentioned this before but we are reading the next harry potter book uh starting next season we have a couple things in between season one and season two and we have some awesome new surprises coming as well uh we we plan to say stay on the same schedule in between so we we will have on our two-week schedule yep yep same schedule a couple uh, of episodes we're just gonna kind of lay low a little bit actually we're gonna take some time read the chapter not not read harry potter books and then talk about them we're gonna talk about other things for a little while yep and then we're gonna come back stronger than ever for season two of wordstruck it's been so fun this was a really really long finale so thanks for tuning in i i tried to take as much as i could out of it just like the movie but (laughs) it ends up being two hours and change no matter what yeah so what can you do Hopefully you stuck with us. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, we hope you enjoyed Wordstruck. It's just going to keep getting better from here. Um, tweet us some love. We'll tweet you back. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Bye. Ba-ba-ba.